Hello, everyone, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It is December the 13th of 2023, and that means it is time for your unlucky day. Your unlucky day where we talk about manga the same as we do every Wednesday. That's how unlucky it is. Yeah, you could even say it's an undead unluck. Yeah. Nick, what's your favorite kind of salad? My favorite kind of salad. Uh-huh. Uh, I am partial to one that has like berries in it. That's right, Nick. A Waldorf salad. What? <laughs> it's a little Waldorf from Statler and Waldorf. Waldorf. He's got a little sign that says because he's bored with you. He's a he's a little Lego Waldorf. Yeah. I see. This is a Christmas gift or a birthday gift from somebody. Uh, my sister and I was like, oh, and then uh, she spent money to make sure I actually got Gonzo. Oh, <laughs> so that's nice. They're really hanging about. They're judging me. Anytime this podcast is getting slow, I'm going to lift old Waldorf up. <laughs> Just know he's heckling us. In, All right. In the world where the Muppets are real, which is a world I absolutely want to live in, uh, both like spiritually and sexually. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Just know that's what he's doing to us. He's 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 really uh, being harsh, spiritually and sexually. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you call that no mother. face? More like a dough face. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Dom, Dom Waldorf, I don't like the way that you're treating me. I'm Waldorf. <laughs> Jesus. This is, this is a world I don't want to live in, personally. <laughs> this, yeah, uh, you know, you don't get the pick. I'm okay. I did. But you don't get oh. <laughs> Why did you get to pick the one I got to live in, then? <laughs> I thought, that doesn't seem right. <laughs> I thought you'd dig it. There's no chocolate cake in this world. Oh, well, and, Muppet, and Muppets oppress us sexually. <laughs> I thought those were two things you were down for. I guess it'll depend on which one on which Muppet is oppressing me sexually. Uh, but I'll, I'll weigh my options again. I'm, sa- no I'm gonna I'm gonna say Doctor Teeth. I feel like I could do deal deal with that. Yeah. I, I think that he I think that he would you know be too let's face it high all the Whoa. time to really be too harsh on me. So. That just means he's or going. he or he would just like speak in so much hippie lingo that I couldn't understand what he was being mean to me about. <laughs> Far Your out. provocations are most uh, upsetting to my verifications. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> like what? <laughs> I think he, I think he just said that I'm not like good at dirty talking, but I don't know for sure. I'm gonna pee on you. You're like, no, I get that, this oh, one. Well, this one I get. <laughs> I don't get where the urine comes from. You're still a Muppet. So is it the puppeteer's urine? Is it like a little tube? I don't know how we got here, Nick. But we're here. Like, I feel like we got here because I know you personally. That's just like the only explanation I'll ever need for how we got to this point. Uh, we do have a bunch of series we're going to talk about. We're a dozen today, so I guess we should but get that ball rolling. We should also say we have too many. 
And I've heard the audience say that like we think there's too many in the recap, so we will probably be cutting one sometime soon, uh, at least. Mm. Uh, probably one of the ones we just don't care about. You know, which could yeah. be could be anything. Some could say it could be even an elusive choice. <laughs> yeah, or a bocce choice of some kind. <laughs> yeah, some some would say it could be a Kagura bocce <laughs> pickle. <laughs> which one to pick? <laughs> oh god! We might go out for a Kagura a Kagura bocce ball tournament to decide <laughs> which which series you remove. <laughs> I think that's the only like pun you can make off that. Time. I, 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 I was struggling. The first one was nothing. The second one was a little something. It was a little something. I, I credit you for going back and trying to make something out of nothing. Yeah, like the author of that series. Okay, so my hero academia. Damn. Chapter four hundred nine. Quirk explosion. Uh, this is a Bakugo chapter. Yes. How do you know it's a Bakugo chapter? Because ugly old man face baby Bakugo. <laughs> baby Go is uh, on the very first thing that you see uh, in the series. Little baby being held by his by his parents. And then we get just a couple of like important moments that Bakugo has had in terms of his development. Specifically like uh-huh. training his skills and stuff. Conversations he's had with, with, with uh, Midoriya. And now he says you know, to himself in this moment, Izuku, I won't stand in your way anymore. Which, there's definitely some stuff that goes on at the beginning of this chapter that I think definitely leans into maybe Bakugo's gonna die. It seems like they're supposed to, like, there's some stuff going on here in terms of, like, his internal monologue and, of course, the fact that he's got, all for one, unleashing all of these quirk factors at once in order to rocket towards him that's supposed to make you think, oh, God, what if he dies? Oh, no. (laughs) Right. Uh, All Might is calling uh, up to him like, you've got to dodge it. Uh, But Bakugo is in midair, holding strong. He extends his arms up and he just says, please blow up. Blow the hell up. And some explosions go off, including right in All for One's fucking mouth. And uh, he explains by saying, it's like, yeah, so, you know, it's raining and that affects my explosive abilities. Or rather, as he puts it, it's putting a damper on my oomph, which sounds a little bit too dorky for Bakugo. So, yeah, uh, 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 we're going to put a characterization note in here. Bakugo would say fucking oomph, I think. Yeah. Um, the so. rain's putting a damper on my oomph. Like, <laughs> All right. <laughs> you really did come back from the dead. He just talks completely differently. Yeah. Now. Uh, but he says that he... He's like, hot a- dog, my attack worked. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> cool beans, all for one is down. Hot diggity. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm going to finish the job. Golly gee and Willikers. All right, let's do it. Uh, and so he basically indicates that he left some time bombs essentially by coating his explosive sweat with regular sweat, which is very impressive sweat poor manipulation. Oh, you don't have this? You 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 haven't you haven't coated your sweat with a different kind of sweat? Not since I was in high school and could produce Uh, that amount. yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Uh and uh so he basically um, left some sweat in all for one's mouth 
understandable. That guy does seem to just have fluids flying all over him all the time. Uh, and uh, he brags, Bakugo brags that the one quirk that he's got is enough, as opposed to, you know, all for one having, you know, a billion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all for one starts ranting and saying, it's like, you know, all my powers are in disarray. I got to finish him off. And he's like, this, this is my tale. Move aside, you extra, you nobody. And Bakugo does his big signature technique. Howitzer impact, huge, massive spiraling explosion rams straight into all for one uh and everyone is shocked by this as all for one is stunned and then we just get this beautiful two-page spread of a bunch of explosions going off at point blank rage from bakugo into all for one as he screams get wrecked which that sounds more like bakugo yes this is a great two-page spread by the way uh extremely cool bakugo looks awesome uh the big get wrecked uh good shit and all the booms, of course. Gotta, gotta love those booms. And uh, Bakuya says what we've all been thinking towards All for One this whole time. Shut the hell up. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is nice just having a character be like, shut up, you big fucking nerd. And end up with explosions. I'm like, God, very satisfying. Uh, there is an explanation that the quirk factors aren't inside All for One aren't working properly. Uh, and the one that he stole from Hawks shows up to mock him uh, and basically says like, yeah, all my fans are here to greet me too. check it out. Cool. Sucks to suck. No loser. Yeah. And also he's, you know, insanely young uh, at this point. And also he's just really, really angry. So he's losing control over all these things he has to keep inside of him. And Bakugo just palm strikes him in the face uh, and explodes him at point blank range and declares this is our tale and a big all explosion goes off one more time there's like five different two-page spreads of just yeah. bakugo exploding all for one it's extremely satisfying because uh, like, everyone is observing this i was gonna say it's satisfying because this is like everybody uh this is not the main antagonist like we know shigaraki is our our big bad hello Just there, we go. there we go. Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, like uh, it's cool because this is a you know like we know Shigaraki is the big bad, but like all for one technically should kind of be like he's the mastermind. So it's nice that like his defeat is getting this much focus of like here are like five straight pages of him getting his shit pushed in, and the art is incredible in all of them. Uh, it's wild that there are so many different ways to shoot him, hit him in with explosions, basically. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you said, like, really just echoing the audience of, like, get wrecked, shut up, fuck off. Uh, yeah, it seems like this is it. (laughs) Like, there, there is no reason in the world that all for one shouldn't be done (laughs) now please don't do any more fake outs stop it stop right here this is the finish he's done uh and i do like that you know they do continue to hammer home the idea that like look this only happened because everyone threw everything they had at all for one uh it wasn't just all might's last stand it was all the pro heroes and all the students who all put everything they could into this but at the same time Bakugo does get his big moment here. It's a very glorious beatdown and a big indicator of like, 
look, Deku is going to be this big hero, this fight and all, but this is also Bakugo's big uh, emergence onto the scene. Yeah. So good stuff. Uh, yeah. Like this chapter, very straightforward, but is exactly what we all wanted. So, yeah. Hooray. Extremely satisfying, uh, which is, uh, but straightforward, but satisfying, which is how I, I like things generally. This is, this mm. is top tier quality, you could say. Um, yes. So, Nick, let's move on to talking about Undead Unluck. This is number 187, Soul Boost. Uh, Now, Nick, what does that card do in Yu-Gi-Oh? I don't think that's an actual card in (laughs) Yu-Gi-Oh. Well, what would it do? What would it do? It would probably be something that would actually be, uh, honestly, kind of, like, underwhelming when you really thought about it. Like, it would have really cool artwork and it would have uh, a single episode where it was like the key to a big turnaround for the protagonist. But then you read the text and it's like, when your monster is attacked by an opposing monster that has at least double the attack of the monster that is attacking, discard a card and it's like <laughs> just all these conditions. And it's like, and then it like it gets like 5,000 attack power. And you're like, oh, wow, 5,000 attack power. But it's like, you would never be able to play this. It would, And then it's like, and also, also, it's way more restrictive than it appears to be in the anime. It would yeah. be one of those kind of cards. It, it, also, this. it's a trap, so no one would ever play it. Aww. <laughs> uh, that's a shame. What about trap monsters? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's favorite archetype. <laughs> Oh boy! All hey, right. you got, do you like having half your board available to play? It's <laughs> like, do you like one card taking up twice the spaces? Um, so stuff happened uh, in between the last two chapters. A month and a half has passed uh, as they've traveled to the sun. Which yeah, is, we skipped uh, all that space travel. Apparently, stuff. how long it takes to get to the sun is uh, a month and a half. Uh, so, uh, we see that the, the Sun team is there, it's Nico, Fuko, Gina, and Engine, and they're like, alright, so, turning off the Sun will be bad for Earth, so we need to do this for only five minutes. We have to be very careful. Yeah. Turn off the Sun now, Engine, and he does. Uh, it is wild that he is this powerful. Like, this is like a scale I feel like I haven't really seen before <laughs> in an Undead Unlock character, uh, where he's just like, all right, sun's off. <laughs> yeah, it just turns off. It doesn't even seem like he needs to focus that hard. Uh, and nope, like, cool. Does it. The flames are gone. The heat's still here. We have these suits. Uh, these suits will last for only like five minutes, though, and that's fine because that's the time we're working with anyway. And uh, immediately they find uh, Andy, which makes sense because they knew exactly where they were kind of looking. And he is just a charred body, like just a crisp, basically. Like you can see his outline definition, but, you know, you would almost be uh, correct to think he's a statue. Um, Very, very uh, rough. And Nico is like, "Ooh, there's not a lot of vitals going on here. And he's also giving off a lot of heat, so like even being near him would reduce the amount of time we're going to be able to spend here. And it doesn't matter if Fuku is immediately already running up and hugging him, and she's like, ow, hot. <laughs> um, and Nico's like, what are you doing? I just said it won't last. And she's like, no, he, please. Uh, he has surface temperature, and 
you know, he's he's like, all right, fine, let's like figure this out, get this equipment, all this sort of stuff. And in the meanwhile, Fuko is just starting to kind of talk to Andy, where she thanks him, and she's like, you know, it's because you've done all this to keep these rules from coming out that I was able to meet everyone and we can make it here. And this is like a wild and crazy thing to do, but I'm doing it because you taught me to. Yep. Uh, it's you know I got it from you, Dad. <laughs> I learned it from watching you. Uh, except it's love. Uh, and Nico is like, look, I don't know how to tell you this though. Like, there's no brain activity. Like, nothing's going on. Like, I know he's undead, but I think this guy is. And Fuku's like, nope, he is undead. He definitely won't die. Yeah, he's okay. Uh, I recall from the previous loop, your version said something about how uh, undead's regeneration is slower against uh, flames, basically. Stuff like that affects like that temp, like the, the surface body of a person. So I'm going to blow away that portion. And she takes her gun <laughs> and she shoots Andy in the head. Specifically through the ears. Yeah. Uh, Nico's like, you could have used some hesitation there for a moment. She's like, nah, this is the second time I've done this. <laughs> uh, and she We then, love each other. <laughs> she then jams her fa- her thumbs into Andy's head and uh, says, Andy, I'm, I'm using vibration to relay this message. Prioritize your hearing and regenerate. <laughs> um... And yeah, she she sorry, I guess I jumped ahead a little bit. This is where she says, like, I've learned all these things from you. So this is pretty crazy, but it's OK. Uh, Nico's like, OK, this is good. We only have like two minutes, though. And then a voice calls out to them. It says, hey, you're on someone's house. Stop with the PDA. <laughs> uh, and who should it be, Nick? With a number three master rule. Uh, yes. Lady the, uh, with DNA, the, the DNA helix here. Yes. She says, I've changed my mind. You're dying right here. And then all of a sudden, uh, like the other members of unions, like their spacesuits start changing. They start shifting like the, the material that makes up the suit might be turning into another type of material or something like that. And like, holy shit, our sorts are defo- our suits are deforming. Uh, the air is going to get in. And they realize, like, oh, no, this is her power. This is really bad. Everyone get to Gina. Gina, use Unchanged. She does it, and suddenly the suits can't morph anymore. They can't have anything. When I say suits can't morph, I'm suddenly talking about Power Rangers. Yes, yes, you are. uh, The suits can't, uh, uh, you know, become something different. Uh, Right. And number three uh, says, ah, I see. So you're my vessel. She looks towards Gina and we don't get like any like little like mm-hmm. pop up or anything, but this tells us two things. One, this is change. Two, there are like vessels to some of these rules, which does lend credit to the theory that number one is dead uh, or death, mm. and, and Andy would be his 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 vessel. But this is a very interesting little like wrinkle to throw in there. Uh, so she says this to Gina and looks at them or looks at her and says. In that case, let me change you into a more attractive woman. And when Brawla... How dare you? <laughs> when Brawla White writes her fan fiction, this is where it's going to start. <laughs> and they, they become uh, romantic partners after that. Um, but I, I do like the uh, mean way of just being like, 
aren't you ugly? You're like, mm. so G- girl, you need a facelift. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I guess we have known that there have been them for a while because there was Unburn and then UMA Burn. But I guess realizing the master rules follow that same scenario as well. Uh, Andy gets up. She's she's about to attack and Andy starts walking towards her and he lifts up his hand. He doesn't say anything. There's like narration that comes up. It doesn't seem like he says anything. His fingers glow. And we see the narration of like parts bullet, soul boost, fingers and this gigantic attack launches out and it goes right past change and shoots into space and she's like wait he wasn't aiming for me for the earth wait what where where are they and she looks and everyone from union is retreating at this point they're getting out of there uh and she's like no you are not getting away but before she could do anything there's a chain linking her to andy and she says, you're a lousy vessel of death. You let them get away. How long do you plan on staying there? If you're a so-called human, then follow my damn rule. Uh, and uh, you, all the union members are escaping. And Goodbye. Get like, on the ship. Let's go home. Yeah, they're like, okay. So that didn't go great. <laughs> Uh, is that one of the master rules? Fuku was like, yep, that was the one who sat in the third seat. She's like, fuck, the third seat's after us already? That's not good. And uh, like, no, no, don't worry. Like, uh, she, you know, like, we got info, essentially. Because Andy's attack wasn't pointless. And she contacts uh, Ichiko and she's like, can you track these bullets? I want to find out where they're going to land because I'm sure that info will lead to the greatest and most vital teammates that we need right now. And we see shots of five different people. It's Bunny. It's uh, Unlove, who I don't remember her character name, unfortunately. Top, what I presume is Tatiana. And then I was not sure who this was supposed to be at first, but then I realized like, oh, it's Juez. We just don't get to see her usually with the helmet and the long hair. I believe right. that's Juez. Um, but with the, well, yeah, they have the whole thing with the T and stuff. Yeah. So, so uh, oh, Unchase. Sorry, it's not Unlove, it's Unchase. That is correct. Uh, so it, it looks like we're setting up our next characters to get. Once they get these people, this is essentially everybody. I know there's theories that Unruin is also going to be on the list to grab at some point in time. Um, but yeah, it does look like a younger version of Juez is, uh, on the docket to be grabbed. So I guess, uh, we have our next five arcs set up, Nick. Well, yeah, I, I guess so. Uh, it does make me wonder about a couple of different things. Uh, for example, like we've got this idea that there are officially counterparts to the 10 on the evil council. Uh, and I've been wondering this since sick came in. If that was going to mean that uh, Lucy, unhealthy, was going to come back. Yeah. And this kind of seems like maybe. Yeah, potentially. <laughs> uh, I don't know exactly how, you know, throwing a sick person at the cause of sickness is going to exactly help. But uh, <laughs> he's like, oh, I can't get you not sick. This sucks. <laughs> uh, get sicker. Damn it. <laughs> Yeah, I'll be curious to see what some of these uh, other characters might have, like, uh, a thing. Maybe that knight character is Justice or something like that, or 
I don't know. There's there's a lot of potential in there. So we'll yeah, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be neat to see uh, all these different characters. There's I mean like those last three, I'm very excited uh, for. Yeah, to top back in, uh, and I've been looking forward to Tatiana being coming back, and uh, oh yeah, Juiz, who you know isn't the one leading the loop this yeah. time, so could potentially be a very different uh, kind of character with this situation. Yes. Good stuff. This is, I think, a very interesting chapter. Interesting choice to have like three chapters dedicated to the ramen uh, standoff <laughs> and one chapter dedicated to going to space to get <laughs> to Andy. stopping the moon or st- uh, stopping the sun uh, for one chapter. <laughs> uh, I mean, it does show where the priorities are. It's like the characters are more important than what they yeah. do. They're just going to do wild, crazy shit. Yeah, and I do appreciate that it's like, okay, well, what's the, what's the purpose of this chapter? So they can go get these five characters. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, I like it. All right. Blue Box. Blue it's, Box. It's chapter 129 with the right effort. I would kick off this chapter with a little bit of a collage of uh, just kind of various moments that we've seen uh, in, this, in the course of the series so far. But this time, they are very specifically focused on sports and progression, sports, as sports, especially sports, for sports, Taiki. Sports, 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 sports. The sports manga has sports in it. Uh, it is it, particularly for Taiki's progression mm-hmm. and his determination. Uh, and uh, he suits up. He goes to the gym to train. Chinatsu is already there, and they're both you know just practicing separately. But then we cut forward to just going over. Like, what's Chinatsu up to? Well, you know, she and her team are, you know, going into the spring tournament right now. And so uh, the Chinatsu is going over things with uh, a couple of the most important members of the team and saying, like, look, I, the last year we competed against some other strong contenders. I don't think that things are going to be easy this year, but our efforts will not betray us. I want to go to nationals no matter what. Uh, and she goes off to talk with the rest of her team and, you know, the, like the advisors for the for the club or, you know, kind of comment on this being like, oh, she seems like more grown up than most adults. <laughs> yeah. She's very like straightforward and mature about this, but also very determined. Um, they discuss the tournament bracket specifically, Chinatsu and her team do. Uh, and they and uh, points of notice are that uh, Yumika's team would be up against them in the third round. Uh, and Saisho's first opponent is Shinko High School, which placed second last year and also gave them a really hard time. Uh, so they're not sure if Yumika's team will even make it to facing them because they've got a really hard opponent ahead of time. Uh, but, uh, you know, while they're discussing all this, you know, Jinatsu's just kind of like quietly looking on. And she's like, all right, guys, you know, don't worry about what team we've got coming up. Let's focus on practice. So, again, very straightforward, determined, mature kind of approach to things. Yep. I mean, this is her last chance. She's like, just, I'm just going to do it. <laughs> so, uh, Taiki uh, is with the Batman Club, of course. Uh, and he looks over and sees that, like, the volleyball team uh, are, are, like, are, have come forward and been like, oh, the first and second years made good luck charms for the third years. And like, oh, yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, 
And uh, so Haru bring comes up to beside Taiki and says, "Like, yeah, there, there's qualifiers for nationals for the basketball team tomorrow." And Taiki says, "Do you want us to make you guys good luck charms?" No, <laughs> especially because if you did it now, it'd be a total hack job because you'd rush it. But Aryu says, besides that, that he's going to be here until summer. So, you know, the next tournament's not the end goal for him. Uh, and he says, maybe I'll have you guys sing me a cheer when the time comes. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, something even worse. Uh, but he also mentions to Taiki, like, hey, you've been practicing with Yodo? And Taiki's like, yep. Well, if you want to beat Sajikawa, that's the least you can do. So, boom. Taiki's big goal is still ahead of him as well, of course. We cut to a practice session between Taiki and Hyodo. Uh, he's still not able to return the smashes the way he's been practicing, and Hyodo is saying, like, look, you're dropping your guard. I'm still only using 45% of my power, which is a very shonen very, athlete thing yeah. to say. It's, all right, Frieza, calm down. Yeah. Uh, but he tells Taiki, like, look, I'm not going at you full force right now. You've got to at least be able to return these. Uh, and Taiki does realize that he has gotten a bit better so far. It's just that Hyodo is so good that yeah. returning his smashes is just a really big, uh, really high standard set. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Haruto is also there. And he's like, yeah, I hear nowadays like a lot of people say, like, oh, if you have one strength, you just got to take good care of it. But the thing is, in badminton, you can hit smashes, but that won't necessarily guarantee that you can win. You got to be good at offense, defense, strategy. You got to juggle all those things. Uh, and even mastering one thing takes puts a lot of pressure on you. Uh, and Yoda just says, like, yeah, that's what makes Batman interesting. Because, you know, you could handle everything. You might be a specialist. But once you face someone better than you, that's it. But if you don't have a specific weapon... You can still raise your overall skills and face off against any opponent with the right effort. Anybody can make this game their own. Yeah. And then he hits a, the shuttlecock and it bounces off the floor for how hard he hits it. And they're like, yeah, it's easy for you to say that, <laughs> mister. I, I hit the, <laughs> I, I've got a rocket on the end of my racket. But they just have to basically keep on going ahead. Taiki yeah. thinks to himself, our efforts will not betray us. I believe in that. Same thing that Shinatsu has been saying. Like, look, I just got to trust that the effort I'm putting in is going to pay off. Yes. Uh, Taiki turns down when Hyodo offers to take them out uh, for food again. Uh, so they're going to part ways. Uh, but uh, Akari stops him and uh, gives him a little bag. It's like, here, please take this. These are recordings of my brother's tournaments, including footage of him at nationals. I thought you could use it as reference. And Taiki's face lights up. He goes, really? Oh, I, I look, sports. I look how excited he is. And then you're like, you look at her and she's like, oh, he accepted my gift. Like, she's all excited. It's very adorable. It's not going to end well, but it's very adorable. Right. Uh, and he promises to return, but she's like, it's a copy. You can keep it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the only physical copy. Uh, she goes to catch up with her brother, who kind of turns and looks at her. And then she's goes, literally also thinking of how you respond with really? the really like it's she's down so bad for this kid. Uh, and Yodo just looks at her blankly for a second and says, yeah, I don't mind if it's him. <laughs> I, so fucking what a relationship these siblings have. He's like, nah, it's OK if, you want, if you're after him. 
It's not like like that. It's not like that. It's not like that. It's not. I didn't kiss him. Throws a ball at him or a shuttlecock at him. Runs away. away. <laughs> You're like, oh, you two might have been meant for oh, each no. other. <laughs> oh no! If only you were a year older. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Taiki goes home, watches some of Yodo's matches, and is just like, God, he's so good. God, yeah. I want to get better. I want to get better. I want to battle against strong players. Want to go to nationals? Because I bet if I do that, it'll be the most fun I've ever had in my entire life. Aw, sports. He likes them. Uh, he's like put his head down while he's been thinking about this. And he looks up. Chinatsu was there in the room with him. And he, he thinks like, did you teleport in here? And she was just watching him while he cut, had his head down because she thought he was sleeping. Because she's, I, she thinks he's cute when he goes to sleep. <laughs> I, I love that, you know, like because we've gotten more and more like focus on Chinatsu. When we see her blank expression looking at Taiki. You kind of like know that in her mind she is just the deer in the headlights. Like, I didn't know you were gonna wake up. I thought you were just gonna be sleeping there. Like, it seems just, like she's very knowledgeable. I just, I just wanted to watch you sleep. You're cute. <laughs> yeah, like you like to, you like to think she's like this fey creature who's just like all observant and stuff like that. But it, instead, it turns out she's also just like, I didn't think you'd see me. If I hold perfectly still, <laughs> yeah. maybe he'll go back to sleep. <laughs> Uh, but out loud, Taiki says, I really want to go to Nationals. And Shinatsu agrees, me too. Let's go. Aww. All right, Nick. We're supporting each other. One of them isn't going to get to good Nationals. That's just the way the series is going to go, Quinn, right? how dare you suggest this? All right, well, right now, Nick, put your money where your mouth is. Who goes to Nationals? I, If I had to pick between them... I would say it's got to be Chinatsu. <laughs> How heartbreaking would it be if it's not her? And Taiki does go when it's not even his last chance to go. <laughs> and it is hers. Uh-huh. I think uh, it's going to be the inverse. I bet Taiki's going to go. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think maybe her team will experience an unexpected loss. It's going to be hard when that happens, but it yeah. could happen. Yeah, we'll see. We shall see. All right, it's time for a little bit of spy and a little bit of family. It's spy Whoa. family mission ninety one together at last. Yes, <laughs> as they have been for the past ninety chapters. <laughs> it's been for plus four, bonus four, four years or so. Uh, Quinn, <laughs> like no, finally, spies and family together at last. No one would have seen <laughs> this partnership. <laughs> no, what do you mean, Mister and Missus Smith? Get out of here. <laughs> Really? A spy family? I've never heard of such a thing. It just, it, it's got an anime adaptation. I've never heard of that. It's in its second season. What's, <laughs> what's an anime, Nick? I don't think I've heard of one of those. We talk about manga here. A completely unrelated topic. Yeah. We're, our mortal enemy is anime. Thank you very much. I thought it was the woodworkers. We could have multiple mortal enemies. That's a good point. It makes us cool and gives us lore if we have multiple mortal enemies. It's 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 great if we have more enemies because who needs friends? All right, uh-huh. so. we have each other. That's a good point. We'll there you go. Friend. Yeah, us versus the fucking teams. world, Nick. You know, right, you know what else is my mortal enemy? Uh, the the fucking Costco up the street. You know what? Uh, everyone who works at Sherman Williams, every bitch named Ashley, every one of those is my mortal enemy. All right. <laughs> There's a, a guy on TikTok who, I'm sorry to tangent us, we have so many series. 
Uh, but there's a guy on TikTok who does uh, a video uh, like every day, uh, and he will say good night to everyone except the following. And he he gives two very general things, two moderately general things, and then two very specific things. So it'll be like, good night to anyone who's ever whose middle name is Ashley, uh, or except anyone whose middle name is Ashley. Uh, to anyone who had a tortellini tonight for dinner. And then, like, it gets very specific where it's just, like, if you're watching Zootopia right now or something, like, you're just, like, fuck. And that's my greatest fear is being the very specific one one day and be, like, fuck, I didn't get wished goodnight by the stranger on the internet. It was a, um, a, a bit the big thing that's been going on in a lot of the circles that I am in uh was that this one plagiarist youtuber got called out by h bomber guy and todd in the shadows mm. uh back to back and uh he has uh, a co-writer named nick so there's a few times in todd's video when he just goes i think that's really bad nick <laughs> <laughs> todd, <Yeah>. please. <laughs> like, i thought we were cool todd todsy <laughs> It's like a very, you know, like only people named Nick watching the video have that experience. Like, oh, why are you mad at me? <laughs> oh, but Spy Family. Sorry. Spy Family. Uh, so we first off, in case you missed the last chapter, are kind of get a brief, you know, reintroduction to the Althans, the older uh, couple who uh, moved into the same apartment building as the Foragers. Uh, and, uh, they, you know, Yora and Anya kind of run into them on their way to their day out. And, uh, they're, they're like, oh, you're a student at Eden Academy. And Anya like poses in her uniform. He's like, I'm exemplary. Good. Yes, you are, Anya. Good for you. That's a big uh, word. Yeah. I'm surprised that she knows how to use it. <laughs> this, 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 this is like when Elmo was on, uh, Jimmy Fallon. He's like, onions, carrots, balsamic vinegar. <laughs> you're like, this. Very impressive. I didn't know Elmo knew that word. Yeah. Uh, there's also kind of an odd moment where I guess it's because of his age where Althan refers to Yor as Anya's mom. Yeah. And because Yor's like, your mom? What are you, what are you? It's like, I guess that's kind of weird because you, I guess, would expect him to say like your mother or something like that. or your No, I, I mean, I, I think it's I thought it was because he just assumed she is her child and like yor was like oh right like that's that's the fake story we're we're working under but just being immediately be like oh your mom you're like oh but i might have been yeah. very maybe it was uh taken more as like an age compliment it could be a couple of things or maybe maybe long. uh it could be a couple of things i mean considering that yor is her adoptive mother maybe she's yeah taken aback by that i don't know uh, anyway, yeah, we get a little bit more, you know, like Mr. Althan, you know, having Alzheimer's kind of stuff where he's, he's like, oh, yes, we're going to go. We've got to go to that fun function of yours. Function. Luncheon. Lunch. I like lunch. <laughs> Me too, Mr. Althan. <laughs> like, I, I vibe with this guy. I also squint my eyes and slowly descended to just being like, when is lunch? When is lunchtime? Is it? I feel you, dude. <laughs> uh, anyway, the thing that they're going to is something that uh, yours actually yours workplace is helping out with, uh, which 
uh, is a charity bazaar for disabled veterans. So a lot of people from City Hall, uh, where your cover job is, are carrying a bunch of stuff around, uh, helping out. Uh, your, of course, is being made of power and carrying like giant stacks of it without a care in the world. Uh, and uh, there's also like some complaining among her coworkers about uh, the fact that you know they have to come out here and do this stuff. Uh, and uh, they bring up like, oh yeah, the Lady Patriot Society is going to be coming by here. And then you are all of a sudden just like, Lady Patriot Society. Like, oh, Melinda's Club. Like Melinda, as in Melinda Damien, like the the former first Melinda Desmond, the former first lady. Yeah, she's their chairwoman. Oh yeah, she mentioned that to me. It's like you're saying you know Melinda Desmond. You're lying. No one, a former first lady wouldn't associate with a municipal employee. Come on, that's that's, that's ridiculous. Uh, and um, but as they're working, uh, Millie, who is the one who has frequently been at odds with your, uh, it's just suddenly it looks around at a bunch of people, including specifically at you know some of the disabled veterans that are there, and she says, "I, I don't think I can do this. I'm just I'm just gonna go back to the office." It's, people are objecting but some of her friends say it's like hey that's progress you managed to come out this year you tried so and you know whereas last year she refused to come at all she couldn't she couldn't handle it and you are starts to receive the explanation but wouldn't you know it the lady patriots show up minus belinda she's not there uh and they all just like look down on the the help who aren't pulling their weight to say, excuse me, could we see a little more hustle, please? Now, where's the oomph? Uh, and then Bakugo and- shows up and he's like, I'll give you the oomph. And then he flips everyone <laughs> off. Yeah, he, goes, he blows up the whole thing. Hooray, the hero we all needed <laughs> at this veteran's benefit. Um, And they... You know, start looking down on these workers and especially start like, you know, looking down them for not understanding the cost of peace, basically, uh, because they're all younger than them. And they're saying like, oh, I'm sure you, you I hope you understand that there are soldiers who still suffer from injuries, suffer from PTSD. And the workers start trying to, to, to say like, yes, yes, we understand. But Millie speaks up and says, at least those soldiers survived. They made it home. So hooray for them. My dad didn't make it home. He didn't get to come home at all. And so everyone's stunned into silence by this for a second. And th- but then kind of the leader of the of the uh, Lady Patriot says, oh, so you think that gives you license to just slack off? You're not the only one who's lost someone. Janet here lost her husband. You're just trying to make this solemn occasion all about you. You know nothing of the world, you pitiful little girl. Like, oh, so brutal. And so Millie, you know, gets upset and she turns away. Uh, the woman starts to go after her and is like, I'll smack some sense into your worthless little head. This is where you're like, uh, I hope someone tackles you. You're such an awful person to like go after somebody who's already like, I'm leaving this conversation. You're like, oh, you, yeah. you're a monster. Millie's already been embarrassed and she's like leaving. And you're like, no, I hold her down so I can smack yeah, her. I'm not done uh, reprimanding her yet. Uh, now that you have committed a faux pas, I can do whatever I want, and I'm in the right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Yor gets in the way, and she says, look, I apologize if we've been negligent in our duties, but why do you think Millie is pitiful? Why do you think that she's worthless? 
And they start, you know, say, she she doesn't deserve special treatment here. And Yor says, like, look, I also lost my parents in the war. So now I'm working as hard as I can. And she stacks up, like, every remaining box that they have there and just has them all up. Hey, look, I'm working hard for everyone. So everyone here, please do the same. And each of you carry 10 boxes each. (laughs) And the women are like, what? We can't do that, obviously. And Yor holds them out in one hand and she says, well, I can do it. It's like, well, not everyone's a gorilla like you. And then Yor looks at them and like dead faced says, then why are you so convinced that Millie's the same as you? Ooh, good for you. Yeah, your rules. So they start to make objections about like, well, I mean, obviously people have different physical capabilities. So what? But now yours coworkers are starting to get the message. They're also starting to stand by Millie's side, too. And one of them says, like, you're saying that emotionally we're all the same. In that case, there's no difference between those who are suffering and those who aren't. We're all just one big happy species. Uh, the ringleader starts to get really worked up again. saying, it's like, oh, our generation had to suffer through the war. You guys didn't. Don't make lie of that fact. And Yor says, I'm not saying you didn't suffer through the war, but we and we've got respect for you for that. But as children, we also had to suffer through the war, too. We had to deal with our parents not being around. I think that might be true of everyone our age. We all had to deal with it in some way. Generational trauma. It's a thing, especially after nationwide conflicts that kill hundreds of thousands of people, if not more. Probably more. <laughs> uh, so Yar says, look, I'll just carry Millie's load, too. I hope that that's acceptable. Uh, and they're like, yeah, you know, that should resolve things. And this woman won't let things go. You've seen what Yor can do with one arm. Why are you thinking you can attack her? And she, she comes in with like, I will slap. I will smite thee, wretched brats. Yeah, she's ready to go in and just start smacking people. And you're like, oh, man, you're really like just the worst in every way. <laughs> Uh, fortunately, Melinda does show up in that moment. She is incognito because she's wearing a headscarf and sunglasses, which means that no one will recognize her. Uh, and she catches the woman's hand and is like, you are embarrassing yourself. Stop it. Uh, and they start to explain themselves to her. But Amelia just goes up to yours like, oh, it's you. Your clasps her hand. And the oh, my God, they actually do know each other. Uh, and so now from real is like, oh, wow, she knows Melinda. Oh, OK. Um, but now I guess Millie in for a penny and for a pound is really upset about this. And she says like, Desmond's the one who started the war. He's the worst. What sort of person could be friends with the wife of a monster like that? Uh, and it was like, oh, come on. The, the situation was just getting diffused. Please stop, stop. Uh, and Melinda is like shocked by her outburst, but the, uh, chairman, who is also yours contact with, with the garden uh, through the government uh, says, you're actually mistaken. Chairman Desmond uh, was not the chairman at, at, at the start of the war. It was the previous prime minister. Uh, you are make yourself seem ignorant. You need to look yeah. at history, dress her down pretty quickly. Um, but Melinda diffused the situation by saying, Look, my husband was prime minister during much of the war. She's not entirely wrong about that. And she has the right to feel that way about us. Uh, and she steps forward and says to Millie, I know this won't help for it to atone for all that you've suffered, but I have parents too. 
I've got children. I've got a husband. If I lost any of them, I would resent someone for it, too. Uh, and she takes Millie's hand uh, when she's like, she's getting called away, but she takes her hand and is like, oh, here, let me take, let me carry these for you. And she actually takes stuff out of her hand and it's like, yeah. does some of the work for her. Uh, and uh, she says goodbye to all of them and Millie stops her for a second and is like, I, I'm sorry for what I said. Aw, some understanding was gained. Uh, and so Millie has been shaken by all this and so they offer like, hey, do you need to go to the station? And she's like, no, I want to help out for a little bit longer. Uh, and she acknowledges like, I, you know, I don't really remember my dad much because I was so young when he died. His absence mostly just left me feeling lonely, and I blame that for things not going so great for me and for the way I blow up sometimes. But I do have this job now, with all of you. And you too, Yor. Thank you. Aww. The one that she doesn't like. She's like, she likes a little bit more now. And then she calls her a weird, clueless robot. Oh, that's... Well, that's Fair enough. Nice. <laughs> we got close enough. Yeah. Uh, then... We get we close things on a joke because they point out like oh we didn't know you were hanging out with a fancy person like Melinda Desmond why do you, do you, are you you don't even know how to act posh and she's like what's posh oh we got to teach you how to act posh York gets home at the end of the day and she says heartiest salutations dearies because she's talking posh now I, I do so, like that joke. every time she goes out with her coworkers whatever they say she just is like. Oh, yeah, I'll absolutely go along with that. I need to fight with Lloyd, clearly. Yeah, <laughs> I need to fight with Lloyd. I should speak uh, the fanciest, uh, most over-the-top way. Uh, this is a good chapter. I like that we get to focus a little bit on this character, who I didn't even... I forgot that this was, like, a specific person. I just thought this was, like, hey, we need someone for this scene. We're gonna make somebody, and everybody's like, "No, Millie's like actually like a character with history in this series and stuff like that." She's like been like kind of like a little bit of like yours antagonist at like her workplace and <laughs> stuff like that. So I, I do like that a lot, and I also I think Belinda is slowly becoming like the most intriguing character in this series because you get so many different sides of her. Like we know that there's a side that actually seems like it has like a level of responsibility to it, everything. And then we also know that she has another side that is just like, for lack of a better word, like fucked up. Like she, she has like very difficult thoughts going on in her head and uh, a potentially uh, difficult relationship with her youngest child where like she might not really care about him that way and or struggles with it and stuff like that and her connection with her husband. I, I just think she's a very intriguing character and I love seeing like little bits like this that, that give her a little bit more focus. She definitely seems like she, if things start to hit the fan, it's like she's going to have the emotional conflict between the antagonists that have been set up. Whereas her husband, everything we've had in dating with him so far is that he's just an asshole. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see how things go, uh, I guess, in the future on that. But yeah, in the meantime, you're absolutely, I 100% agree with you. It's very interesting to see every little thing that develops with her where she does seem like this, for the most part, very thoughtful, uh, very empathetic person. And yet we know that there is that side of her that can't connect with one of the most important people in her life and it seems to be entirely on her end that, yeah. that's why so 
we'll see. I guess how that how that goes. But yeah, this was nice. Yeah, uh, let's uh, let's talk about Ian Zero. I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, let's talk about characters that are really enchanting and great and have a great emotion. And now let's talk about Eden Zero, Chapter Two Sixty Eight, Ziggy versus Void. Was that a a, a dichotomy reference? Yes. So we open Void's like that woman is not my brother and you're not my father because we got the big reveal last time that Void is the child of Rebecca and Shiki except he's a robot except as we'll see later in this chapter he has a human version like a human appearance so whatever I guess I know we know that robots in this universe can't Ziggy's just like, yeah, I think it's kind of uh, annoying to think that I, I I had sex with that woman as, as well. And like, we have a kid who sucks this much. But the truth is, like, you are a kid and I bear some responsibility in having to destroy you, basically. Neither of us should be in this world. So this is where we both cease to exist. So they have a big punch uh, and like... They have a big punch. They have a big punch. <laughs> uh, I don't know what else I can really say to that. There's like a, 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 a you know a little panel. They punch and like a whole bunch of stuff happens. And they use their their gravity to pull like what is it? Asteroids? Isn't asteroids when it's just floating? Meteorites when it's actually coming down? Yes. I yes. think so. So they're pulling asteroids towards them, and they they break apart. And then Ziggy uses gravity to throw some at uh void and void uses his speed to to get away and he says i have power over time all you have is gravity i'm your superiority punches ziggy in the back and maybe my favorite moment of this chapter happens where ziggy says maybe i do only have gravity but i know how to use it and he just punches <laughs> void really hard i guess that's what he means that's how you use gravity <laughs> by like, punching you have this. you have no idea how to use gravity meh <laughs> <laughs> I know we made fun of it in, in fairy tale what happened as well where it's like it's time for my ultimate attack fire punch <laughs> like it's it's so uncool oh, how is he well he's got he's got distortion magic how is he going to use it <laughs> it's just so funny to me he's like let me show you how to really use gravity magic <laughs> it's really hard to hit. Simon, like, like I couldn't even a character who was just like he used his gravity to hold me in place or anything, nothing like that. He literally just like, what if I channeled a bunch of gravity to my fist and punched you? <laughs> um, so uh, Void's helmet is broken, and we see his face, and he basically does just look like a uh, time skip Shiki with like slightly longer hair. Like, remember when there was a period after the time skip where Shiki looked like he was going to be a super cool, serious, mature character for, like, five chapters? Right. And then he just became the same character he had before, except he had, like, a scar. Um, he looks like he was before he got that, so he's, he's a little ser- more serious. Cut away, Nick, because we're, we're the, you know, this is, this is, this is our Deku versus Shigaraki fight. We, we're going to have to keep cutting back and forth between this and a thousand other things for a while. We go back to the Eden Zero. The ship's still going to explode. They need they need the other codes, but uh, Valkyrie and Witch haven't finished their fights yet. Uh, but all of the shining stars like pick up a signal and they're like, oh, it means Master Ziggy is here. And Witch gives this like look. She's like, that means he's alive. He's alive. It's like a little bit like, hold on a moment. <laughs> 
do you guys have a thing or is or or for you is this just like a daddy kink <laughs> like no ziggies. i'm his mommy remember <laughs> yeah ziggy's uh yeah <laughs> very weird uh i feel like wizard responds he's like what <laughs> Uh, but no, he's like, what? He's already fighting uh, Void. This can't be. Um, there's dialogue here. It sucks, which is basically just like, you were created by Ziggy. Why are you going against him? He's like, that doesn't matter right now. Yeah, because um, an AI chatbot told me not to. Uh, <laughs> so they're, they're just fighting each other. They're throwing effects. Flashback time, Nick. We go 20,000 years ago. Their counterparts themselves in this world are sitting on like uh, a rooftop sort of like patio and looking over the city and it's so beautiful. And Wizard's like, oh, won't you marry me? And which is like, oh, yes. She doesn't do the she doesn't do the hand thing. I want to know. Like that was a very particular like little little gesture where she's like, I'm sorry. I was thinking about how my. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was thinking about how my son figure is alive. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, what were you saying? <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. I'll marry you, I guess. <laughs> I just want to note it's very different reactions. Um, cut to the, the present, uh, which gets knocked down. Uh, wizards like, I'll destroy you. Um, I guess I should know. No, it happens later. It's such a weird sequence of stuff here. He's like, I'm going to destroy you. He attacks Witch in a panel that means nothing. But if you blink and you miss it, Witch loses her arm in this. One of her arms pops off. Oh, God, the carnage, the humanity. If only we had a ship that can magically heal people. We do. Wizard also lost his arm in this exchange. So I guess, yeah, both both arms are lost there. They just kind of like swung their arms at each other and they kind of like, yeah, just like. The fleshiest, flabbiest parts of their arms decided to break each other off, like yeah. two katanas flashing. Yeah, very cool. Uh, we go back to the flashback just so they can say, I love you. And then Wizard <sighs> is like, I'll unlock my forbidden ether I've always had and never brought up until now. The ultimate <laughs> magical attack. Uh, and which is like, I'll show you the power of the shield, radical fields. And basically he launches all of his, I don't know, death lasers, who gives a shit? And she summons a bunch of little shields that ricochet all the laser attacks. I guess none of them were ever going to hit her because none of them are coming directly at her. Uh, but she deflected all of them. Uh, and she's like, no, you. And then he gets hit with all the death lasers and he's all hurt. And, um, I guess she thinks this because it'd be stupid if it was in the flashback, but she's like, perhaps somewhere in all the universes, there's a world where we didn't need to fight. And it's it's fucking stupid. I like this is supposed to be romantic, but this is uh, nothing. (laughs) I want to just clarify that. We had a series of flashbacks to this bygone era where we knew that all of the stars, the shining stars and dark stars, were all based on people from this era. Yes. And one of the chapters that introduced it had a big thing, made a big deal about how in the past life, the witch and wizard were were engaged. So, So what does that mean? They were engaged. Oh, wow. They were in a relationship. Wow. What was that? What does that mean? Well, it means they were engaged. Yeah. 
<laughs> what if we saw it again, though? Hey, you guys want to see the story about how Witch and Wizard became engaged? It's very interesting in that they got are, engaged. In that there are no details. <laughs> they, they, where are they? Who knows? Was there anything romantically personable about this engagement? No. But they did get engaged on a rooftop. How did they fall in love? Well, they got engaged. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. This, I, look, this is so bad that uh, it made me want to do this. Uh, so, guys, I know that, like, you're tr- we're, we're trying to make our, you know, our final decisions because the WMR Supplementary Awards are coming to a close soon. You got, we got to make, you know, our final votes for this. I am going to declare that there is a new category open for <gasps> voting. Whoa. Get your nominees in. It doesn't matter what they are because this one wins. <laughs> Worst relationship of the year. <laughs> you can nominate whoever you want. Just know that if you vote for any of those nominees, it's you're wrong. <laughs> Throwing it away. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. This is bad. This is very, very bad uh, writing uh, as has been brought up. We already knew they got engaged, so I don't know why we're trying to dramatically tie it together that they got engaged at some point. Uh, especially if there's nothing uh, interesting about the engagement. Like, truly. Like, I I don't understand how Hero thinks this sort of storytelling is done. Uh, this feels like, uh, like I don't know, there's there's some XY axis that are just like uh, shitty relationships. And like on one end, you're like, oh, well, this is a toxic really. This is Harley Quinn and Joker. This is a toxic relationship you shouldn't aspire to. But it's like another bad uh, quadrant as well. Where you're like, if you aspire to this, you're boring and stupid. I don't, I don't, I feel this is mean. And I'm sorry I'm being mean, but I don't understand. Like, there's nothing to this. There's absolutely nothing interesting about their relationship. We've never been given a reason for why these two love each other. So there's no inherent tragedy to it other than, like, I'm being told, like, oh, they were lovers in another world. Like, I don't know. Like, obviously, there's a lot of tropes that use this. Like, in my mind, immediately, I'm going to, like uh the the everywhere everything all at once where it's like oh in another universe i would love to have just done laundry with you and taxes and like the one universe where they are together and you're like that's like something to build off of and like create an emotion this is just a thing of just like if only we didn't have to fight each other and we could love each other in a generic heteronormative way you're a woman robot with a robot vagina i guess i'm a robot man with a robot penis presumably isn't shouldn't we be together like it's it's just terrible it's awful and uh i hate it uh let's move on yeah uh and never look back (laughs) cypher academy chapter 52 it's uh we uh start this off uh are we not going to give the title the betrayal of the betrayal gets all the blame (laughs) Sorry. The betrayal of oh, betrayal. Come on. I live. There should be a category. Ninja, we're going to put you through the dock at this point. Uh, there should be a separate category just called the best Cypher Academy chapter title because there are some real goods, I feel like, out there. Yeah, we don't we don't have bleach chapter titles anymore, so we got to find them where that we can. Yeah. Uh, so. Yosai Mura and Anonymity Requested, who, of course, have been going through the metaverse uh, since they met up, uh, have run into Shakunage Hakanage, the leading private of class 1F, which, of course, is the torture class. So she has the bag over her head. They are on 
floor B242 presidential jet floor. Uh, they're 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 flying in a jet, and uh, Hakanage says like, "Yeah, I, I I'm scheduled for a meeting with with anonymity requested, so Yosemura get out of the way." And Yosemura just says like, "No, us Yos people in my family can't stand not crushing evil plots. <laughs> we break out in hives. If we we can't. We fall apart. Yeah." <laughs> Uh, so Hakanage starts to be, I was like, why, why are you here with this person? This isn't what we discussed. And I requests like, Hey, you should know me by now. There's no promise. I can't break. And she makes a cheeky little winky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, so Shakanage says, all right, in that case, board game code battle, King Fisher reverse eye. And so they're going to play, uh, reverse eye. Hello, uh, on this game board, but instead of playing with regular pieces, they're going to play with coins, and they're coins that are from all over the world that have different values on them. And so, instead of just you to- count up all the tokens, it's you've got to get the greatest amount of currency overall, uh, which is uh, and I, I should say numerical amounts, not like the most yeah. valuable currency. There are some coins here who ha- which have a ridiculously high number to them because of the relative values of the currency means that they can still be on coins. Uh, so they, they go over th- those rules and then, you know, Samura, you know, agrees to it. Uh, but said, but she also says to anonymity, like, Hey, bystanders often see the game bears than the players too. So would you mind sitting out until we settle this? Uh, and anonymity requested says like, oh, you must really trust me, teehee. And Yosemar is like, yeah, of course I, tr- I trust you. I trust both in your betrayal and your double crossing. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, these two understand each other. I hope that they get married one day. Like, <laughs> Aww. Yeah, I do kind of ship them now that you say it. Um, so Yosemar sits down after anonymity leaves and asks like, okay, what are the terms here? Beyond just like the loser gets banned for the labyrinth. And Shakunage says, nothing. I would never attempt to torture a cypher soldier who was picked based on their personality alone. So not so subtle dig there for why she's on Iroha's team. But they start playing. We get some you know commentary from the peanut gallery who was observing stuff. And they note that like, hey, you know, a big thing, of course, is the fact that, you know, you want to get your valuable coins in the corners because then they can't be captured and you're guaranteed to have a really high number on your side. Uh, then we get a ridiculous two-page spread of the two of them flipping coins and placing them down. It's like flipping them does not help you. It does not help you. <laughs> uh, it's also pointed out that they can't look in the jar to, yeah. to, to pick out what coin they pick out. But everyone watching it recognizes that that's not really a thing because you're allowed to feel the coin with your thumb. And so for people who are, you know, such ridiculous code breakers as these two, clearly they would be able to distinguish what they are immediately. Sure. Uh, so they start pointing those out and uh, and uh, Kagoe uh points out like oh my god you know there's a ridiculous you know one here that's 50 canadian dollars it could flip the value of the entire board uh but then all of a sudden yosemura looks at the board and she realizes like wait a minute all four corners are full 
I was sure that there was a cord that was still open. And Shakunaga says, fairness is nice and all, but if you let yourself become bound to strange rules, you're enslaving yourself. Closing your eyes in the middle of a game and treating progress along the way like it doesn't matter. Only an idiot would follow rules like that. Uh, essentially, oops. You still with me, Quinn? Yep. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, I'm just vibing. This is a good chapter. I'm letting you kind of talk before I, I go nuts on some of my thoughts. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, yeah, sorry, your video died for me for a second. So, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, basically, while they were closing their eyes to concentrate, Shakanage straight up just cheated and slipped a really valuable coin onto the board, which is um, a million morgue. <laughs> it, it's so fucking. Oh, no, fun. one morgue. One morgue. Uh, and then we are told just how valuable morgue are in like actual terms of like relativity, which is the total value of all money on Earth is equal to approximately 200 quadrillion yen, which is equal to infringement upon foreign exchange laws percent of the 50 billion morgue on the final floor of the Cypher Academy metaverse, meaning that. The amount that they have that could come out from the cryptocurrency is more valuable than all currency on yeah, the planet. Yeah, no, no matter what way you're shaking this, they're like, "This is, this is more money than the world has otherwise." Uh, it's so Which, high that there was a certain number. There was a certain section of people that truly believed this was how cryptocurrency was going to go. There was, <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. Uh, there still is. You're right. Yes. Diamond hands, guys. Oh, man, it'll be it'll totally be valuable for you. Uh, like the, when she says how much this coin is worth, it's not even given a number. It's censored because like it's supposed to be a ridiculously high amount. So this essentially means because she's placed it in the corner and slipped it in there. Yosemura cannot win. Yes. All the other values on the, on the board would not come even close to it. She could win back the entire board and would still not be able to win. So Shaka, you know, so you know, Shakanage you know, says like, look, that leader is the real fool, referring to Aroha. What did he want to do with all that money again? Stop all the world's wars? Don't make me laugh. The only thing that fortune cre- can create is inheritance wars. But USMR says like, look, we still got to try. You know, and I, I understand why you're trying to do this too, because she establishes when she's talking about all this value that. Shakunaga wants to bury all of this currency. It would crash all of the, the world's economies, essentially, if it came out by causing hyperinflation. Yes. Uh, but they get back to the board, and she's like, all right, why don't you just give up like a good sport? And Yosemura says, I will not give up. Secondly, Iroha Zakakun is not a fool. And thirdly, although I may not be able to close the gap, I still may be able to turn it upside down. And she stands up and there's a beautiful two panel sequence of Shakunaga's head tilting to the side and then flipping all the way upside down as we cut outside of the plane and it's doing an atlatl roll because an eminent requested went to the cockpit and took it over (laughs) so that she could do this (laughs) and flips the plane upside down and she shouts out, I know I always betray and double cross people, but this time I'm actually turning something upside down. (laughs) And she's so excited. Yosai Mura, the hero that she is, catches Shakunaki (laughs) when they fall onto the ceiling. Uh, and the entire board flipped upside down, which means all of the coins on the board have flipped upside down too, which means that <laughs> the more belongs to her instead. Now. It's and so shock- fucking funny. Yeah. 
So Shakanaga says, hmm, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, and cheating for cheating, huh? And Yosemura says, nope, this is fairness for a foul play. <laughs> Your evil law created the possibility of the same sort of thing happened to you. In other words, you left yourself open. So it's all fair. <laughs> what dorks. <laughs> Such a dork, yeah. Uh, and so Shakanaga realizes, like, God, this person's not worth torturing. What a waste of good talent. Nah, of good character. A shame you have to remain buried in Class A. And she fades off and logs out, uh, having lost the match. And uh, Anonymi requested, uh, just thinks to herself, like, you know, this, if, if this had happened before that leading private battle we had, she probably wouldn't have been able to, you know, have accepted her that way. Wouldn't have been able to accept Shakanage. She wouldn't have been able, to, been able to ask me for help. We only won this because we're Class A. Uh, and we cut very briefly to where Iroha and Ensa are on a bowling floor. Yeah, the bowling uh, okay. Floor. There's a lot of there's a lot of bowling related codes to break, Nick. Yep. And so Yosemura wins, and she uh, is referred to as the popularity monster. Uh, and so good for her. What a fun chapter! What an so extra fucking chapter! I love this Calvin Ball sort of shit they start playing in this game because, like, already I'm like kind of intrigued. Like, oh, okay, you get it, reverse eye with coins. It's, there's some interesting stuff going on here. Got to flip some stuff, do all that. I get it, and like them going over the top, flipping things. But the idea, like, we're gonna close it, and she just sneaks a, a fucking Bitcoin onto the board, and she's like, "It counts. What do you want me to do?" And I don't know it why. The flipping, like spinning the plane over to just flip all the coins is so dumb, but so fucking cool of an idea that I was like, yeah, 100%. Like, this is some Yu-Gi-Oh! ass shit. Absolutely. Where it's like, I throw the dice at you so hard it breaks in half. I rolled a seven. <laughs> and you're like, sure, dog. <laughs> like, I guess. Um, but that's that's why I love this series the most is as it gets like as crazy and weird as all this stuff is. It just works. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. It also helps that they were playing, uh, you know, Othello instead of uh, Mahjong. So we could tell what was happening. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't saying they're like, yeah, of course. So with this mm -hmm. particular combo, 10 bajillion points. <laughs> sure. Uh -huh. Yes. Uh -huh. I'm um, keeping up with you. Yes. And that tile is blank. So, of course, it's the, the king. And the king gets to go whatever castle he, he wants. And he's the king of the castle. You can make the tile dance. You get 200 brilliant points. This is like devolving into like a bad wrestling promo. <laughs> <laughs> Suffering succotash, Nick. Good All shit. Right. Really fun chapter. New manga stretch time. First off, green, oh, green, I love, green. I love the new manga stretch, Nick. Oh, I love it too. Isn't <laughs> it great? This it is so only going to get better from here. Yeah, nowhere to go but up. <laughs> oh, man. And I'm gonna, I'm betting that they're going to hit their max value right in November. <laughs> uh, so last time, Haku, after finally acknowledging that he wanted to get better at golf, having the problem of how do I afford to go to this course uh, was offered a job. Uh, and so he accepted it immediately. And uh, so he is introduced to all the other uh, part-time employees there. Oga, of course, is there. And she's 
not happy about this development. <laughs> it's like she doesn't hate Haku, but she doesn't like him still. And having now he's going to be around a lot more. Uh, so uh, as a res- but as a result of her reacting to his presence, uh, the oh God, I haven't mem- memorized her name yet, but the but the uh, woman who's kind of in charge of things says, oh, you know each other. OK, uh, so Oga like off panel, like introduces hockey Haku to everything. It's like, did you get all that? All right. You get it. That's the job. You do You got it. Mr. Yasaki. And Haku just says, like, I'm sorry. I know you don't really like me. It's just for the summer. It should just be for the summer. And she's like, it better be. Um, yeah, for your sake, bud. But uh, Oga just, you know, you know, straight up like if this guy's a slacker, I'm kicking him to the curb. He's not going to get to stick around. And of course, immediately Haku is going around. He's very friendly with everyone. He's very responsive to people. Uh, very nice. Uh, very attentive. Very thorough in all of like cleaning and everything like that. And of course, afterwards, you know, uh, uh, the the woman says to Oga, like, oh, he's got a real knack for this. <laughs> He's like, fuck. God damn it. I'm stuck with him now. Fuck. Uh, so, uh, she goes on break and also is told like, oh, make sure you tell, you know, Haku that he can go on his break too. Uh, and Haku had kind of like was getting so close to a customer that he was like getting to practice too. And he's just like, stop hitting the customer's balls. You're not allowed to do that. Stop it. <laughs> I uh, do like that so the other guy was like, no, no, it's, it's okay. Of the staff. Uh, we meet two that don't really leave much of an impression just yet. Uh, and, you know, some of them kind of like accuse him of like trying to get close to Oga and Oga's like, we're not tight with each other. I hate him. <laughs> what kind of weirdo goes and applies to the same job as their classmate? That's weird. Uh, but then we are introduced to another member of the staff, Chikara Hagio, who... <sighs> Guys, one of my favorite filler episodes of Yu-Gi-Oh! GX is one where there is the captain of the tennis club, because... The Duel Academy has a tennis club for some reason. They're like, well, you, in, in case you want, you know, to, uh, when you go to... He's in love with uh, Asuka, and he thinks that Judai is too, and ju- is just, like, really passionate about sports and stuff, and he hates him. And that's basically the exact premise of this chapter for a bit, except then it's like, no, because Green Green Greens is really good, there's more to it than that, like, immediately, in terms of establishing its character and everything. So, yeah, Chikara, he's obviously in love with Oga. Uh, he gets shoujo vision of her. Uh, you know, flowers appear when he looks at her and stuff. And uh, she's like, oh, you look so beautiful. Yeah, thanks. Good for you, Oga. <laughs> Take it in stride. Uh, and then immediately, like, you know, goes towards Haku. And uh, one of their other co-workers immediately realized, like, it's my chance to stir some shit up. Hey, did you know that he goes to the same school as Oga and they're really close to each other? And Chikara is like, you're my enemy! Ah, war! I'll, I'll fight you through golf! Uh, and he's just like constantly giving Haku the stink guy whenever they're around each other from that point on. Uh, but Haku's like, oh boy, I get to I get to use the range now that my job is done. Cool. Oh, and I can use the gloves that, that Oga gave me and stuff. He starts going after the ball. And again, he's just... He, when he finds his rhythm, he's good, but he has a really hard time finding it. His swings are going everywhere. He's missing the golf ball. Uh, and then Chikara is just like, is this part of your plan to get closer to Oga? Hmm, this guy is no threat to me. He Oga is only interested in people who are good at golf. 
But the longer Haku goes at it, the longer that he's terrible, Chikara's just like, what's with this guy? What? What? He sucks so much, and he's not getting any better. And so he goes to Haku and is like, what? Come on, are you really enjoying, like, sucking at this? And Haku's like, hey, I, I, I do like it. You know, just hitting the ball is, it's a really big achievement for me. And Chikara's like, Maybe I've misjudged this guy completely. He's really enthusiastic about golf. Maybe he's really passionate about it. And then, you know, Haku says all the right stuff. He's like, you know, I'm landing hits more often. I'm making progress. Very steadily. Chikara's like, he might not be such a bad guy. Uh, and then Oga, of course, comes and talks uh, to him later on. And Haku is like, I, if I wore a hole through my glove. I'm sorry. It's the gloves you got me. And I ruined them. And... uh of course, Chikara's like, why are you apologizing to her? Oh, she bought me these gloves. Oh, she collapses to his knees. But Oga says, like, gloves are meant to be worn through. They're disposable. You know, pro golfers wear through them all the time really, really quickly. Uh, and Chikara's like, Miss Oga, if you had given me a glove, I would have framed it and hung it up on the wall. And Oga's like, that would, that's completely defeats the purpose that's, of me giving you a glove. No point in having to glove that, bud. <laughs> I can't hear you. Can yeah. anyone else hear you? Yeah, everyone, everyone else can. Uh, I can't hear you. Uh-oh. At some point, uh, your audio got disconnected You're moving your lips and I can't hear you. Oh, yeah. this is me. This is me. Something's wrong with my computer. Hang on. <laughs> Don't worry. I've been dropping great jokes or like the start of them Shit. for a little bit. And I want to keep entertaining the people. Uh, what did... Uh, Shit, do I don't know jokes. Um, I guess. Oh, do you want me Here to? Go. I don't know why I was about to ask you a question. I got it back. Okay. Oh, hey, there we go. Sorry about that. I, you don't, no, no, Nick, don't worry. I entertained the people. They'll say I didn't, but uh, I did. I've kept them very entertained. <laughs> don't anyone lie about what she's. Yeah, doing. <laughs> no. Say I told really, really fucking good jokes. <laughs> God damn it! I can't lose this. Oh God. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and anyway, uh, Oga, you know, notes, like, I, you know, I have to get a new glove, like, every month, and of course, like, he wore through his in a single week, how the hell many balls has this guy been hitting, uh, and Chikara's like, I mean, even if he has been hitting the ball a lot, he still sucks, Oga's like, yes, he definitely sucks. <laughs> yes. We but agree on this point exactly. <laughs> only this one, nothing else you have said, but he will improve. His efforts are not in vain. Uh, and she, you know, kind of is like looking at, at Haku and things. I would like him to get fired and go away. But I do wonder what keeps him going. Because, God, he does suck. Meanwhile, some onlookers have, you know, have been watching Haku. And they're like, man, he does really suck. He's just like throwing his money away here, coming out here. What a waste of it's hit everyone's time. Oh, and now he's looking over at us because we're talking about him. And Haku is like, oh kind of like embarrassing myself here i guess I, I really can't help it i really am bad at this and then someone says he might as well quit and haku's getting like really really self-conscious now and like his ball it's, he hits the ball and it kind of like just stutters off and now you've done it uh oga is really really pissed about this and she goes up to them and says excuse me sirs your laughter is bothering the other golfers please keep it down uh, also i've been watching you you're in no position to be criticizing someone else for being bad. <laughs> I, I love that. I, like, it's one thing like, oh, she came to his defense. And then to just be like, also, you guys kind of suck shit too. So I kind of wouldn't start this if I were you. 
And <laughs> in the most satisfying moment, they're like, I'm a paying customer here. How dare you speak to me? She says, so what? I work here. I could get you all banned from the rage. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't think anyone made it a reaction, but I almost want that face to be a reaction for a channel. They'll just like the disgust, like, oh, isn't that cool? And so, anybody who's worked in like any kind of customer service just wants to give that face all the time to people. You're yeah. like, oh, that's so fun and cool of you, but who gives a shit? <laughs> uh, so they run off and they're like, I'm going to file a complaint against you. Well, it's, I'm sure this has happened before to her. Ahaku uh, thanks Oga and she's like, don't look at me like that. That should make you feel bad. If you want to get better, think about how you never want to get mocked again. But if you're only doing this for fun, stop worrying about what anyone else says about you. Aw, that's yeah. nice. Uh, so, you know, Haku thinks a bit and he thinks about like, you know, hey, the, on that first day, maybe what the guys said about me would have bothered me. But now I don't really think it bothers me at all. I wonder what's different between now and then. Uh, Chikara, meanwhile, smashes a drive because he's been watching this entire thing go down. Uh, and he says, I'm really mad. Why is she paying attention to you? Uh, and he says, golf is freedom. Anybody can play it. All are welcome. But it's another story when it comes to Miss Oga. You're pitiful skills. You're a terrible match for her. I refuse to accept it. Fight me. You can have as big a handicap as you want. If I lose, I'll quit my job here. And... Uh, one of the co their coworkers says to Oga, "The boys are fighting because of you." She says, "Gross, good for you." <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's exact. She's like, "That's disgusting." It is not my problem. Yep. Uh, Haku is like, "Wow, you're so cool, Hakio. I feel like I get where you're coming from, but um, isn't this kind of unfair? Because like, if I lose, I feel like I shouldn't stay here either. But I don't want to lose." And there's a beat between them, and he says, "All right, I'll do it." How could I say no? I am kind of intruding on your territory. And Chikara, Chikara's just like, he is a good guy, damn it. Yeah, it's, it, you're like, I don't like that you're fucking agreeable, dickhead. It doesn't make it fun to do this. You really are a good guy, but I can't have you be here. <laughs> this is a fun chapter. Uh, I like that Chikaram has managed to make a strong impression all of a sudden. Uh, I feel like he would be a nice welcome addition to the core cast of this series uh, to add him around. Because uh, he's weird, but in a nice way. Yeah. So, uh, first and foremost, let's get the inevitable out of the way. Uh, this is the third chapter of Green Green Greens. We have to discuss whether or not we want to keep talking about it on the podcast. Uh, it won my uh, MVP the first week and chapter of the week the second week. So, I am obviously in favor of keeping this series around. Nick, do you want to keep talking about Green Green Greens? Uh, if I cared more about golf, I would have an appropriate golf pun to make here. Uh, but I don't. So yes. Yeah, so, like, we just hit a it. we just hit a birdie. Everybody, a birdie. I think is good. It is good, but I don't. Whatever. I don't know if it's good pun. <laughs> um, um sand trap, Tiger Woods wedge. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's funnier. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, all right, we're going to keep reading Green, Green, Greens uh, and uh, drop two on ice. Uh, that's <laughs> great. Now, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it, if that's going to be the thing. Uh, but 
we uh, are going to keep green, green, green. So it's a really, really fun chapter. I like Oga's different expressions, which is weird because she generally has like one. But when she's annoyed, she has really, really good expressions. Uh, I like this lead. He's still like he's lost a little bit of like the fun charisma, like dickhead charisma he had early on. But he's replaced it with like a genuine enthusiasm for what he's doing. Like, I really like how he's like, whoa, you're so cool. And it's not sardonic and shitty he's legitimately like you're a very cool dude and he's like thank you i am awesome for being in a weird unrequited love interest relationship with this high school person that you know um and Oga's like i think you're both gross he's like i think both of you suck can you both get fired from this place so i don't have to work with either one of you um I like that, but I, I, like the, the enthusiasm is factious. I really like the moment of like him getting picked on and Oga just walking over and dressing those guys down. And again, I love that she has the freedom to be like, fuck off. I don't give a shit if you're paying customers. I work here. I'll see to it that you never come to this place again if I want. Yeah. Uh, very satisfying. Uh, yeah. Let's... Uh... <laughs> Continue on. Time to to... keep the spirits high, Nick. Yeah. Going up. What's the next awesome, cool series we're going to talk about? It's Reddit's favorite manga, Kagurabachi. Oh. Chapter 13, Elite. And this is about Sojo fighting the cops. And... My, t- my two favorite great evils finally colliding. <laughs> it's like when you have a heel versus heel wrestling match. You're like, can I boo both of you? Uh, so we find out that Chihiro had given uh, the cops a bunch of tips because he's a little fucking snitch uh, about Cloud Gouger's abilities, which are uh, ice, water, and lightning. And of course, lightning is the big, powerful offensive one. Uh but they need to have a strategy to deal with it. Uh, so essentially, the strategy is try to overwhelm with attacks so that he thinks that you're desperate to prevent him from using the lightning. But then when he does use the lightning, you surround him with water so that it disperses and also attacks him. And then it's like, oh, but he'll use the water to disperse and attack and stuff. But then they use a thing. Uh, another thing to repel the water from the ground so that it doesn't get on them and and stuff what, and that'll buy what, them time. What's wild is you're cutting through like eight pages of this manga. Like this is one of the weirdest pace chapters in that every time something happens, we cut to whatever Mr. Kurobachi. I I don't remember this <laughs> character's name. We cut to him being like. And this is why you would do this. Uh, like, you're going to get attacked by lightning. Like, they get attacked by lightning. He's like, oh, this is why you'd get attacked by lightning. And it's, like, the least satisfying way to do this. Like, it keeps creating this start-stop suspense. No, Quinn, some people think that the key to coordinating a good battle is flow and pacing. Those people are wrong. Yeah. It is. <laughs> Stop. What what if uh my battle had the flow of a dubstep song where it just kept starting and stopping and doing <laughs> beat drops and shit that you're like, okay, cool, thanks, I guess. Yep. This is uh, wildly unsatisfying. 
Uh, in the last three pages of the manga, we find out that Chihiro got some information out of that one guard that he was interrogating, uh, which is like, yeah, so the girl is locked up in the lab. It's on the other side of a big chamber, two floors underground, but uh, there's sorcerer's standing guard, uh, so you're badly injured. You're going to get torn to pieces. There's sorcerers coming that are going to be in your way and stuff. Uh, but Chihiro's like, I'm in the shadows, lurking. Uh, and he remembers uh, something that uh, his dad said, which is the enchanted blades of a true realm beyond the theoretical. It's source material. Daten Seki is a natural material. I can't really put this in words, but theoretically, its limitations can completely transform based on its holder. Okay. Yeah, don't worry, Nick. Everyone, you can fucking domain expansion your sword. Uh, the series might be on its way to getting canceled. It's it's a real rat's race between like three series right now. Um, Maybe four. Yeah. yeah. So who knows? But uh, it didn't have a great ranking last week. I think it was last uh, last week. This week it got a color page, so it, it wasn't really ranked. So we shall see. Uh, there's so much that's just stupid about this chapter. They reveal at the start, they're like, actually, there's a sixth member of our group who's been doing reconnaissance. He's always been here. Don't worry. Uh, we're going to lift you into the sky. Uh, let's keep bouncing back and forth between all these things that are going on. Uh, one, part of the conversation takes place in the men's room, which is like uh, like a fun detail here. Like w- one of the members of your team is a woman, so she's just not there for this part of the debrief or something. Like... It's just stupid. I don't know how to explain it. This chapter is not satisfying as like a battle. Uh, this concept could have worked if you just let it flow until it reached like the point where it looked like, oh, they're definitely fucked. And then you cut over to Kurobachi himself saying like, this is why you're going to do all these things. You're going to get the upper hand and then do the turnabout. Um, but also I'm not excited at all about the concept of like don't worry let's reveal our cool new you know our bankai thing for this series uh all of our characters will get one it'll be super cool yep looking forward to it yeah good stuff uh in uh parentheses derogatory uh new new sexist dick this one's great right (laughs) it's a bizarre feeling when going out of Kagurabachi because New Sexorcist follows it. And I know that this chapter was stupid, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, thank God we're going to talk about New Sexorcist instead. I think there's more to make fun of in this. It is. Uh, but this is still also a dumb chapter. It is. Uh, first off, the girls are playing Uno at the beginning, and there's a weird sequence where uh, Suo is like, Uno! Oh, by the way, it's chapter 30, the first mission. And she touched it goes, Ah, you're really good at this. And so I was like, Ha, hilarious reaction, Tome, ha. And then Shiroha looks at her and is like, Drat. And so I was like, Ah, it's also a great reaction, ha. Okay. So, I mean, she hasn't won. She just called Uno. Like, right. It's not done yet, you know? Game's not right. over, kids. You gotta stick with it to the very end. Yeah, this geez. should this should have been their next lesson. You have to play Uno. It's about never giving up and <laughs> annoying your friends. Yeah, that is what it's about, yes. Don't um, worry. Somehow it'll make you more drift compatible and we can go to new uh, mini-map locations. 
Gakuro comes out to be no fun. He's like, everyone needs to go to bed because we have to get up early tomorrow. And Shitotsu is, I guess, right back to hating her brother when I think the entire point of the last two chapters was the need to get over that. But she's like, yeah, around him. And they're like, oh, we're going on a big trip. It's a big field trip. And it's like, they're going on a mission on a field trip, though. They have to go through a transportation device and stuff. But Nick, but Nick, this is a series that uh, has decided to be two things at once. It is a, yes. an intense battle series, but also a slice of life, a slice of life harem manga. So, yes. you know, you can't I'm, fault them. It's a field trip slash dangerous suicide mission. I'm really looking forward to having my can of soup ice cream uh, <laughs> for this. Yeah, I was about to be like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to try these potato, uh, ketchup potato chips. But they have that, and uh, monsters actually like them. So, uh, (laughs) sorry, Frank. (laughs) So, um, Mue appears. Okay. And she says, like, you guys got to go and get a thing. You got to go and get a thing. Okay, cool. I didn't realize she did. Uh, in my mind, I was like, I must have just forgotten. But she does just say something and certain object. Yeah, it's important. Also, there's a nice river and no dangerous wild animals in the area. That's and how, those are the only that, things you guys want to worry how, about. That's how nature works, Nick. Right. So, uh,. They're like, oh, okay. I, you guys are going to have to go for two days and one night. And Nui's like, I'll give you some camping gear. And it's like, I guess it does kind of sound like a field trip. Anyway, so they all go to bed in the dorm. Uh, Shitotsu uh, and Gakuro uh, sit down first. And Shitotsu's like, hey, Gakuro, which one are you going after? What? You know, Suo it- or, or Shiroha, which one are you going after? No! You have made a misjudgment, younger sister. I am not romantically pursuing either of them. It We are merely friends, and I am their captain. Yeah, but which one do you want to do? <laughs> um, no, that, you see, if I were to confess to one of them, I am so pathetic that nothing could come of it. Uh, every character has to be like no no it, it, I think they'd absolutely love you despite how pathetically uncharismatic and char- like anti-charming you are you, the, the girls love that yeah and she touches like nah 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 I've been around you and these girls for a day and I can tell that they're both into you Yeah, I guess so then uh, Gakura's like you're lying! Good night! <laughs> just a bet. Uh, I wish he just... Like, he does scream. He's like, We're going to this conversation! It's done! Goodbye! <laughs> he goes to bed, and then when he wakes up, oh, he's got to rush to the bus stop, and Shiroha and Suho are waiting there, and they're both in fancy outfits. Uh, and they're like, Which one of us have you chosen to go on a date with? And Gagara's like, Ah, oh, my worst nightmare! Wakes up. <laughs> Being loved by other people! What a horror! It feels like I should just be laughing along with this series, but I am also just like, this is so dumb. I don't, like, like, it's so wild that, like, a month ago, they were like, 
the captain of the fifth division would like to discuss with you the parameters <laughs> for sealing the new the 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 fucking extra evil of of the and then like now we're at this point it's like oh which girl do i l- 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 like more it's just fucking the whiplash is wild in this I also want to point out that this is a, a fantasy scenario for Gakuro where he's imagining the girls like are all dressed up for a date. Uh-huh. Uh, but the outfits that they're wearing, although very much more fanciful than either we've seen either of them wear, they do look like it's like you could go out on a date wearing this and go yeah. out and do things, uh, you know, pretty comfortable shoes, you know, comfortable for the weather. Gakuro's wearing a full three piece suit. <laughs> so <laughs> even in his own dream, he doesn't understand how to do this. <laughs> he, he doesn't get. The, he, he does not get the assignment. I wish I had her hat. Her hat, uh, Suo's hat, is nice. I like that. It is a good hat. I am one hundred percent with you. Uh, so everyone's now prepared to go out on the mission trip. Whatever we spend like a page recapping everything for some reason, and then there's a whole thing where they open the portal. It's like. You don't need these two pages. Anyway, they're on the trip now. They're they're in the area where they've been teleported to. And so it's Gakuro, Shitatsu, Shiroha, and Suo. And so they're looking around, and all of a sudden, like, everyone kind of, like, feels something. Shiroha's like, there are spirits here. And Gakuro's like, didn't Nui say there wouldn't be any? Shitatsu says, well, they don't feel like dangerous ones. But if normally there's no spirits here... We might have an abnormal situation on our hands. The gasp, it's not going to go exactly according to plan. Hmm. So, uh, they bring up like, uh, okay, look, we might have some problems here, but I'll leave it up to, you know, Gakuro for what we're going to do. And Gakuro thinks about how Suo was saying, saying like, hey, you got to trust me more from now on. And so he's like, okay, well, we don't have a phone signal. Uh, important. And we can't leave until tomorrow. So we should just keep on going. And Shitotsu says, you know, to make sure we don't get separated, we should each hold hands with someone else. It is so bright out right now. (laughs) (laughs) So she grabs Shiroha's hand and then Suo is like, yeah, okay, let's do this, Captain. She held her hand out. And Jakuro uh, is uh, in his own head because Shitosu told him, like, oh, and which one do you want to date? And so he, like, grabs onto her pinky just to be as weird as possible about this. And she's like, don't do not do that and stuff. So he's like, oh, no, I'm what a horrible captain I am. Yes. Uh, somehow Gakuro falls a lot while they're on their trip. I don't know how this keeps on happening. He's just, like, taking pratfalls at every given opportunity. Eventually, they reach... <sighs> a waterfall and they say there's a path that leads to the village behind the waterfall no wonder Ms. Nue said we'd need our swimsuits it's so flagrant you're like I get it you want to do another swimsuit chapter why would they need swimsuits to go through a waterfall don't they have the ability to, at a moment's notice, activate magical clothing that they could deactivate at will? Can't they just turn that on, walk through the waterfall, then turn it off and be in normal dry clothes again? Why would they need to pack and change into swimsuits, especially when there's no changing area around? This just feels like a long use of time. Also, these are highly impractical swimsuits for yeah. a trip like this. Everyone's like, uh, I'm going to wear the tiniest, uh, least uh, convenient bikini I could find. 
Shutatsu's is like the only one I would say is like, yeah, yeah, I think you're kind of prepared for this trip. The others are like, no wonder what happens happens is basically yeah. what I'm saying. These things are frilly. Anyway, uh, Gakuro has a creepy moment where uh, he is like watching the girls like splash around with each other. Uh, and he's like, I'm so grateful. I've grown since the day that I couldn't look at girls in swimsuits. I can do this. God, what a uh. fucking loser. <laughs> he's just like, I'm so glad I'm not ashamed of s -s 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 swimsuits anymore. Uh, sure. Suo's bikini starts to fall off. She's got to cover up with her arms and Gakura goes, Whoa! Uh, Suo says it's a fish because fish famously leap from the water to undo bikini tops. I, I mean, guess. in in shonen manga, they do. That is it's, famously it's a, a thing that's happened in To Love Rue and we never learn. <laughs> Might have happened in Nisekoi. I, I honestly can't remember. Uh, so Shiroha turns and is like, hey, Fujino, could you help me with this? Shiroha's bikini top has also fallen off, so they're both just covering up. And oh my god, spirits attack too. Oh, right now, while the two girls have their baps out and are in danger of exposing themselves to Gakuro and can't fight. Oh, everyone run away. Run inside the waterfall. Shitotsu's Sh Sh like, I'll hold, take care of things here. There's probably a barrier around the waterfall, so you'll be safer there. So they... So the Gakura and the two other girls rush through the waterfall, and it's dark in the cavern beyond. They're like, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Ah, spider! And they're like, oh my god, it's pitch black in here. Wait a minute. Gakura's like, what do I do next? And the two girls are behind, behind, beyond, are, are surrounding him, and they're both still just, like, clutching Ta the Yeah, themselves. what the fuck? Tie it's them dark. back on! Who get, like, just turn, like... Be like, Gakuro, look there, and then tie it back all Like, it's not that hard. Like, they are, they've been, like, so hilariously turned into, like, ah, no, like, really, like, objectifyingly, like, damsels, uh, damselfied, or whatever you would put that word, where they're just like, no, I can't, my top has fallen off. And you're like, what, are you not supposed to be, like, trained <laughs> fighters like what how is this stopping you so completely this is absurd and yet at the same time back when we were on like chapter eight of this series this felt like what every chapter of it was going to be yes so this does not bother me as much as it could as if this had happened just all the time uh, at least this is just like seemingly being a once in a while kind of thing it's still garbage but it's not, I want to hurt myself garbage. <laughs> I'll slightly disagree in the fact that I do really dislike the fact that by the end of the chapter, these two like impressive exorcist uh, women are just like, no, I can't. Oh, hold on to Gakuro, my top. You're just like, I come on. Like I get, I can almost get it for a quick moment. You're like, they are teenagers. They all have feelings for this one guy. Like, I can get it for a brief moment. But the idea that they would have gone and hid and still be like, oh, you're just like, come on. <laughs> like, at least at least work together and get one girl's top <laughs> back on. Look, this is crazy. Um, this is dumb, though, as well. So I don't know. Let's talk, let's talk about Shadow Eliminators, a series that's, again, nowhere to go but up, Nick. 
Absolutely. Shadow Eliminators, Chapter 2, Conflicted Wings. We established the premise last time. We kind of repeat where things are now, which is, hey, they made a club, so they'll remove the shadows from your heart. It's a way for the exorcisms to get made while also just kind of like helping out people who are having Mm -hmm. personal problems. We're introduced to the character of the chapter, president of the drama club, Akio Watase-senpai. Ooh, we look at all these fans that he's got. He was on a TV show recently. People want his autograph and stuff. Yep. Uh, and uh, Glasses Boy is like, hmm, this is a problem. Uh, the nexus of a disturbance of public morals through no fault of his own because he's so popular and gets people so excited. Okay. Also, they weren't able to put up their Shadow Eliminators poster on the bulletin board because others, the drama club thing got put up instead. There's not enough space, Nick. And as we can tell by looking at the board, you can't put something on top of something else despite the fact things are on top of other things on this bulletin board. Yep. Also, there is plenty of space if you just, like... We can literally see space for both of them right there, yeah. Giant space. Anyway, so they had to put up the poster on um, the Exorcist locker instead. Also, he has a key for an empty locker below it where he has, quote, the seven, the seven, seven otherworldly tools I borrowed from my grandma. These might as well be the seven spirit detectives. Yeah, I was going to say, let's see if we can get more than what Yu Yu Hakusho got through. Yeah, which... Yeah, I don't think that it's going to have the same problem working against it, but we'll see. It's going to uh, have a different problem working against it, where it's like, I don't uh, have enough time to introduce all seven. Uh, oh, use this for this chapter. Uh, so that happens. And then in a very weird moment, Akio approaches them while off panel. And they're just on the roof after that. They were by the lockers. He approached them. Next panel, they're on the roof before you even see Akio before that. Anyway, it's awkward and stuff. They're talking about everything. He says that he's kind of like heard a little bit about Glasses Guy for a bit. Glasses Guy says, I've known about you since before I became a student here. You know, when I was touring the school, I actually got to watch one of the plays. And so I saw you perform. And he's like, I try not to use the word talent very often. But when I saw you, I felt like you had a talent for charming people. Okay. Akio is like, I feel like being on stage is the only way I can live to people's expectations. Okay. Uh, then they're like, hey, maybe there'll be a Kasane because of him. Wouldn't you know it? There is. What triggers it? Um, a guy's disappointed in Akio's performance. Okay. So immediately Akio starts floating into the air and his, his Kasane goes, you have no right to be disappointed in me. Okay, so then uh, Glasses Guy is poking around. He hears something rattling inside the locker with the spirit tools in it. He opens it up, and there is a a lantern that's shaped like a house. And when uh, when he picks it up, it darts off and tarries him behind it. Uh, Exorcist Guy has started fighting the Kasane, and he's like, I'll slay it. Uh, He goes in there, and uh, Glasses Guy is like... (gasps) The bad stuff might happen where the school gets wrecked. And he gets really pissed off about this. And the house lantern thing glows. And then it opens up and a barrier appears around all of them. And uh, the exorcist grandma is like, yeah, I gave it to him a bunch of, a bunch of other stuff. Because um, when someone with power decides to use it, it doesn't do anything. It guides the weak. Now, okay. 
Who's she talking to? Me. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I like had to sit there. I was like, we know two characters and they're not with her right now. So who is she who is she speaking to in this moment? The answer, I guess, is us, yes, just us the audience. Uh and so basically it establishes a barrier around all of them that prevents the real world from being affected by their combat. Uh so Exorcist Guy immediately eliminates the Kasane and it, it's fine. And Akio just thinks to himself, I was afraid of being thrown away like a piece of junk. Aw. Um, yeah, so that all happens. Uh, Glasses guy's like, did I do that? When he looks down <laughs> at the lantern. God, I wish uh, he had said that. Ain't I a stinker as the, as the <laughs> ghost gets killed? <laughs> <Ooh>. Akio <laughs> says, I feel like I did something bad. I wasn't able to meet someone's expectations. And then Glass Guy's like, you know, I couldn't take my eyes off you back then, senpai, during the play thing. I didn't know the first thing about theater, but I was charmed by you. You looked so free and like you were having fun when you were on stage. And Akio's like, you know, now that I think about it, I've, I forgot about those emotions. Just wanting to have fun. And then they present their flyer to him. Okay, so man, this one was rough. This was like the first chapter I thought was okay, but this is really boring. I I don't know what it is, but like I feel like there was nothing intriguing about this kid as like a new character to deal with the problem. Like it was just like, what if I didn't feel like I was good enough? And you're like, I feel like there's more you can write to his specific circumstances as an actor, uh, and like build upon it and like really like do something with it uh but like this is just felt very forgettable as like a motivation for this character be like yeah i maybe what if i'm uh not worth all of this monster time and you're like man i this is nothing there was nothing to hook on to the coolest part of this chapter is like oh there's like a little miniature house that we get stuck in and we fight inside of that i'm like that's not like fascinating but like it's something it's like some kind of gimmick or something like that that i thought was a little amusing uh but this is just very clunky and boring um i don't know what to just, tell you I, as i watch this i'm like oh let me just replay persona 5 like <laughs> as you go if you just kind of like summarize the plot structure of the story uh in terms of like there's this exorcist that appears at school there's this very stringent, like, you know, disciplinary officer guy who ends up teaming up with him. He doesn't have spirit powers of his own, but he uses the spiritual tools that they have in order to help out. They do it in order to solve people's problems because their, you know, personal problems and stress and stuff cause these malevolent spirits to appear. And so they're trying to solve people's problems while also, you know, beating up ghosts and stuff. And it's like you hear all that. And it's like, OK, yeah, sure. sure. That, sure. That's a thing that you could get a lot of mileage out of. You know, you could have different designs uh, for the spirit inspired by the different problems that people are having. It'd be interesting to see that. And it would be nice to, you know, mix in some action from uh, for a show and story along with like, you know, the emotional problems that everyday people deal with and tackle those kinds of things. And how they do it. It was basic stuff, but it's very ripe for the picking in terms of like, yeah, you could definitely get a lot of stuff out of that. This is such bare bones treatment of that premise, though. Yeah. There, this is the most basic. Why do you have problems? Well, because people have great expectations of me, and I'm worried about not living up to them. 
Okay. All right. This could be literally any character. Right. You're an actor. Is there a particular acting conflict that you run into? Do you get some sort of stage fright? Is there some? How does it make you feel when that happens? Beyond mm. bad, there's not enough meat here for for that. Uh, the ideas are fine. It's just you're not doing anything with them that's not been done a billion times before. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't feel like there's any reason to read it at this point because of that. Yeah, uh, we have one more chapter that we need to read before we'll be able to really kind of talk about it uh, or decide if we're going to keep it or not. But I would say right now it's not looking great. Uh, and I can also say I don't think there'll be like any kind of twist to be like, but Nick, we're going to talk about it because it's like, I'm like, this seems really it's boring. Not, yeah. yeah, not interesting to talk about so far. Two on ice. But Nick, 12. nowhere to go but up. Absolutely. It's just we are in part. One now, Quinn. Are you excited? <laughs> where this this is where I'm no longer using the whole seat. I'm paying for it, but I'm just using the edge, Nick, because I am thrilled. It's time, part one, finally. Chapter twelve. I don't think it's romantic. Uh, Hayuma is instructed by uh, the female twin. Take it off. Uh, he takes off his shirt. His shirt. Revealed. His shirt says "special body" on it, which I don't is like that. <laughs> I'm like, it would be fine if he was. Ju- it would be fine if he was just wearing it. The fact that he starts off wearing it and then takes it off. Yeah, he's like, I'm taking it off. I'm like, all right. I feel like this is a shirt you got from a store where you're like, all right. I get that you have uh, interests. Maybe not on Front Street with them quite as much next time or something like that. Special body. What is that? That sounds yes. like some kind of sexual thing. Yes, uh, he reveals that he's I wish, gotten I wish it just really said, ripped. I wish it had just say special boy. <laughs> <laughs> because I think that's a great shirt to own. As somebody be like, I'm the special boy. <laughs> you're if like, he had a shirt that read, If he had a shirt that read special boy, you wouldn't be talking about dropping this series. <laughs> I would be like, oh, guy, I gotta keep it up for the special boy. Special boy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it's been three months since Kisara and Hayoma formerly became, formerly rather became a pair. So, uh, he's been training up to build up muscle and he is jacked now and he doesn't have nipples, uh, like many shonen protagonists. It's actually, um, uh, this is a unique thing about the, the male physiology, I believe, is that as you get more jacked, your nipples uh, shoot inside of you. It's actually because of testosterone, because as we know, the only uh, uh, sex that has a need for nipples is women. Uh, so uh, men, male nipples, uh, insert themselves deeper and deeper into the body. Uh, uh, Joe Rogan talked about this, I believe. This was uh, I was told about this, and then uh, I was told that if I took this brain powder he gave me, I would see into the future. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I, so I gave him my credit card. <laughs> it's a very interesting thesis, Quinn. So I will be sure to uh, follow up and uh, uh, with your with your sources and uh, look into the works of Professor Rogan then uh, <laughs> and see uh, what the full text of his uh, studies have to say about this. It's a uh, six-hour-long podcast uh, where he gets high. That. <laughs> uh, there is a cute joke where Natsuya, you know, because everyone's like, "Oh wow, he's really bulked up." Is like, "You're not my lovely yet." Takes his shirt off. Oh, he's bigger. Yeah, I like that. If you're gonna um, like tease us with cheesecake, give us the cheesecake. 
Like, don't put, don't hide, don't, don't hide him in the background. All right. Don't hide the beef. Come yeah. on. I guess we don't get like really any fan service in this series, but I'm like, if you're going to draw a beefcake like that, pull it to the front a little bit more. Come on. Uh, so they, then they're instructed like, Hey, let's go over the five types of pairs moves. And so this is for Hayuma to review and also to, you know, continue to introduce these concepts to the reader who doesn't know shit about pairs figure skating. And so he goes over like, you know, lifts, twist, lifts, death spiral, uh, throw jump and pair spin. Uh, so not, so yay. Hayama has been paying attention and understands all this stuff. But uh, they bring up like, hey, so you've got two routes in front of you. You can try and make it to debut at a competition this coming season. Or you can wait a few years and actually really get your stuff down and master a routine. Uh, they warn them like, look, it's probably better if you go for option two. Actually make sure you get you know properly in sync and stuff because it's risky if you don't do that. Uh, but uh, I was like, hey, what if we were to learn everything in a, in a half a year with option one? How realistic would that be? And it's like, I mean, it's possible. Kisara is experienced in Paris skating. We would just have to train you up because, yeah, Kisara has been training at this for years. She's been practicing with Natsia the, the, the entire time that she's been working at Paris skating and stuff. So it could happen. Uh, and Hayuma says, like, look, I understand that, like, maybe I don't have a reason to rush, but Kisara has been waiting for this for years. So I want to try and do for half a year if it's possible. But they're warned, like, look, if this is too dangerous, I will pull the plug. So we'll go for it. But I reserve the right to revoke that option for you. Fair enough. So, like, okay, we're going to start off with doing a pair skin. So you two get on the ice, face each other, rights and lefts together. You need to hold each other's hands. As soon as Kisara offers her hands to him, immediately Hayuma is like, uh, 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 uh. And he's, you know, taken off his game by it immediately. And as they start to rotate and she's drawn in closer to him, uh, he pushes away and falls on his ass, which, of course, is very dangerous to do when you're on freaking skates. And immediately everyone realizes what's happened. And Kisara is like, what? Come on, freaking get up. Uh, and Hayuma realizes, oh, this entire time I've been preparing, I've been seeing Kisara as that girl. So I froze her mentally as just a third grader and didn't have any romantic inclinations towards her in any way. But now she's like, oh, she's like a teenage girl. And that's like being physically close to her makes him is kind of discomforting. Kisara immediately is like, I thought you weren't like just interested in doing this for girls or romance. And that was one of the things I liked about you. Now you're just any other boy. And I freaking hate that. Uh, so she storms off uh, after uh, an intermission is called for. So they each go off with one of the coaches. But before they I like that, the coaches the, need to make sure to know who to go with. So they each have a little sign, girl, signs, yeah. girls, boys. And I'm like, I like how you pluralized it, despite the fact there's, there's only one of each. There's of only one, one of each to grab. Uh, before Kisara can get away, Hayuma's like, look, I don't think it's romantic. I just I was surprised. What are you doing? I'm the special boy. <laughs> I'm the special boy, body boy. Bo uh, I have my special body bo boy body. Yeah. Uh, so Kisara's like, whatever the hell you're going through, freaking fix it. So they go off with each other. She says, like, look, people have always kind of acted weird around me because I'm a girl and I hate that. It's very vague. It's like you're in figure skating. Like, is it because is it because of the stuff that 
your your senpai said he was just an asshole but you don't know you yeah don't but that, that is i mean it is an important context we didn't really discuss last last week's chapter but we found out an old mentor of kazara's is like just a straight-up misogynist like yes so yeah. like he's hey, a sports misogynist and an actual misogynist too yeah so, mostly because he hates people <laughs> it might make sense why she has a little bit of baggage about uh you know being seen as a woman and people not uh <laughs> reacting as well to that yeah uh meanwhile the boys are talking and hayuma says like hey natsuya have you ever like been nervous before he's like uh uh-huh. no it's fine uh but he does a savage like i mean my partner is my sister so that's never been a problem for me thank god uh so uh he says like yeah you do seem like you're really shaken up by this but like you and kisara you're acting like normal middle schoolers. So I kind of figured you were just be ready to like deal with that. Uh, she get, he gets a message uh, from Kazutora, uh, which is like, okay, let's get back to it. And Kazutora says like, look, not so you just got a message from a cl- college classmate. They practice outside of school with us. So why don't you join in on this? Hayuma's got a problem because he's embarrassed. But this pair is practicing under even more awkward circumstances, so maybe you guys could learn from them. And we cut over to that pair who are practicing. Uh, they're clearly, you know, teenagers at least. And as they're skating together, they're like, okay, let's do this and stuff. And then we get inside their heads, and the guy is like, oh my god, why is she dressed in a sports bra? This is so awkward for me. Uh, and we get, receive narration from Kazutora, which is... Yeah, it's uh, Yuni and Kotaro. They were a couple who broke up three months ago. The fun, so. the funniest thing Two on Ice has ever done is this last panel where he is like, don't cry, don't cry. And she's like, I need new lip balm. <laughs> she's fine. She's totally fine with it. No uh, problem. It, it, it's real uh, Homer Simpson uh, like flipping through the air on a skateboard. He's like, I could save money if I bought the nuts separately and then mix them at home. So I, I appreciate that for a moment. I think this is like the most excited I've been on at Two on Ice in a while is like the idea of like interacting with characters that have a personality, which sounds harsh. Um, and I guess it's meant to. Uh, <laughs> uh, but like, oh, like it feels like there'll be something to like interact with and bite onto with these two characters. Yes. Uh, so hopefully it's uh, it could drive uh, some personality out of our leads as well. This is definitely like a first for, you know, this type of obstacle that needs to be overcome. And I'm interested to see how things go with it. Sure. Yeah. The elusive samurai. Chapter 137. You can't catch him. Can't catch him. Drawn lots. 1338. Uh, We get kind of just like an establishment of geography and stuff. Anyway, (laughs) Sadamune. Hey, he's, he's back in the series. He's here to meet up with the leaders of the Ashikaga army to decide what they're going to do. And uh, everyone who sees him enter is like, oh, he's probably going to lead the Ashikaga forces. He defeated Nita Yoshisada in their battle. Uh, but And so Sadamuri establishes like, okay, look, Akiye's army is over here. We could let them pass and then follow along after them and then we'll catch them between us near Kyo and then we'll be able to attack them from both ends. Uh, and he also calls over to Uesuke, who is there, and uh, he's, he, he says, I assume that, uh, that, that that you agree. And Uesuke is like, yes, that is a wise plan. Uh, now that we've linked up, we'll ride in pursuit of them. 
turns. So suddenly it's like, all right, great. And he turns to someone who's like, I'll command the... And then the giants that were introduced a couple of chapters ago just burst through the wall and fully kill two guys by stepping on them as they enter. And Sadamune's eyes bug out, which is hilarious. Uh-huh. Uh, so, without a care, uh, they both sit on the corpses of the people they've just killed uh, by stomping through the wall. And uh, Yorito, we just kind of get like a really quick reminder of who he is. Uh, and he says, listen, the Hoto child defeated you, Sadamune, and Uesugi also failed when he lost Kamakura. You should forfeit your land and troops. You will not be punished since Shiba paid with his life, but Moronao is displeased. I shall take command. I'll not let the enemy pass. That would be cowardly. And so Sadamune carefully chooses his words while challenging this and says, well, then how do you propose we intercept Akihei? He has more than twice our troops. And so Yorito beckons over to an attendant who's got some lots in his hand. And he says, we'll decide this fair and square. They're numbered one to five. Number five, the westernmost position, will strike Akihei's main forces. I will draw first. I want position number five and I can't see it. So he breaks the guy's fingers and rips them all the way off of his hand so that he can see which one at the bottom is number five. And then he takes that. It should have ended okay. there. It was actually that one. I was like, legitimately, kind of like, it's very funny. This guy has no responses. He <laughs> rips off the arm to be like, now I can finally see which one I want. Ah, there we go. Like missing the point completely. Unfortunately, they kept the joke going a couple more they times, and I was like, ah, this 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 didn't have the the punctuality you want out of a rule of three. He should have just walked out after doing that. And then you would be like, wow, what a scary guy yeah. to, to do that kind of thing. And he has this very straightforward approach to stuff. Like, <clears throat> in a bottle, I do like this joke where mm-hmm. he, you know, he does the the classic thing, you know, one man is easy to break, but you unite them together and then, you know, they become unbreakable. The idea is you put sticks or arrows or something together and when they're bound together, you can't break them in their hand, in your hand, so the way you could a single one. But he does this by picking up a random person who says, uh, unity is important. A single man is easy to break. He snaps them the guy's spine just in his hands but if you unite them in a bundle they do not break he snaps all their spines in his hands like that's funny i like yeah. i like i like that that twist on it and everyone just kind of like stares and yori Tarillo's like mm, i didn't really make the point i want to anyway let's go fight <laughs> uh just walks away um and that's just kind of it uh i do like that side is like all right i mean the positions are still exposed so i will take the one that i want <laughs> Uh, and then that's just kind of it. It's like, all right, Tokiurito's army blocks Akiei's advance. They've got to fight them now. We go over to the, the Hojo army. Akiei splits up the army into different forces. And it's like, let's go and fight and win people I don't like. Uh, and Tokiyuki uh, also uh, splits up his forces. Uh, he uh, calls over to Nita, the young one, and says, hey, can you take Kojiro with you? when you're going on this way because I want him to be able to confront Nagao in Uesugi's army uh, and Kojiro has been following through on his promise to lift heavy things apparently and Tokuyuki's been spying on him because he's weird so uh, he says like yeah go do it guard your life and Kojiro's like alright understood 
Tokiki goes off. He doesn't really know where who he's going to run into. Uh, and then Sadamune uh, approaches one of the commanders on the other side. He is like, switch positions with my army because I want to take Tokiyuki. And so the battle is going to recommence between the two of them. So it's we're we're seemingly being set up to show how much Tokiyuki has grown since the last time he confronted Sadamune. Yeah, uh, which I'm excited to see. I, I, I do have like a soft spot for Sadamune since this is a character who's kind of been around for a very long time. We've gotten to know him and I, I kind of like him. Um, I wasn't like in love with this chapter um, as a whole, but I, I was able to be uh, entertained by it. There's different, there's nice little moments here and there uh, throughout it. So it's, it's okay, certainly. Yeah. Okay. It's the time for Akane Banashi story 90. This breeze feels nice. Aww. Uh, we get a uh, kind of just a reestablishment of like what has brought Asagao to the point that he's at because he's on the verge of getting promoted. But of course, he, his journey has not been without setbacks because, you know, he punched Rien uh, and had to start over again. Uh, he had to watch his peers and even people who came after him pass him by. And he also has had to deal with the reputation for, you know, losing his temper and attacking somebody uh, and everyone kind of like walking on, on glass around him and trying not to piss him off and thinking that he's a violent guy. And uh, Asagao thinks to himself like, you know, I used to just go out with my bros, ride motorcycles, carve up the breeze. Those days are long past now. Come out of that the thought and uh, Akane is, you know, wrapping up her performance. Karashi talks with Asagao for a bit, uh, and they bring up like, "Hey, you know, the, we we start off this with this performance. We only had four people in the audience, and now we've got a packed house. Uh, so I don't blame Akane for being excited and stuff. Uh, and the and hey, Karashi, the only reason that we were able to go with her crazy idea is because you had a solid plan as a backup. So." thanks and crash is like no don't get sappy with me no. <laughs> not interested <laughs> don't care uh karashi also takes the stage and and goes into it and we get a breakdown for a few pages of his, how his style has been evolving under enso sanmete uh his new master whereas akane has been branching out broadening her abilities karashi has deepened his the Enso school teaches the model to follow. At the Zenza stage, you have no personality. You are taught to thoroughly mimic Master Enso's style. You would never have imagined that Karashi was once known for his adapted style. Now it's authentic. This is classic traditional Rakugo performed to specification. Apparently he's very good at it. Yes. Uh... Akane, of course, is now left on the sidelines with Asago as they're talking about stuff. And she's like, hey, we should move to a 100 seat venue next time. We keep this going. And Asago's like, we just managed to get to this point. It's like, no, we can do bigger than this. Or do you think you can't handle it? And so that little challenge, you know, Asago's a little bit pissed off for a second. But then he's like, ah, all right, come on. Are you guys forgetting something? You're all here to see the real star of the show, me. And uh, he takes the stage to give the main event performance. And uh, he goes into a story called The Backward Rickshaw, which is uh, about a man who t decides to take a rickshaw to go who, while he's in a hurry. Ask the rickshaw driver, 
Uh, can you go fast? Can I go fast? Can I? Do you think? Maybe? The words of doubters! I can't go any speed, but fast! Now you're in for a treat! This is beyond speed! Tears off, leaves the man that asked for a ride in the dust. And, you know, hey, it's a joke. Hey. Uh, and uh, we get a flashback from his perspective as he's going through the story. Uh, who, when he was told by Chocho, you should hold some study events, but don't do them alone. Invite at least two other Zenza, people who look up to you, people who are good at the job. Whatever criteria you want, it's all up to you. Uh, Nasuka's like, I mean, I could do it alone. But Chocho says, trust me, it's not as bad as you think having comrades to hone your skill Aww. with. Thinks back to his time with, with his friends that, of course, we've established the long-running bonds between him and Shinta and, and some of the other masters. Uh, and now in the present, Nasuka acknowledges, I get what you meant. This breeze feels nice. Because he's riding the rickshaw, he's riding a motorcycle with his buddies again. Yeah. Aww. After the show is over, Asago approaches Akane uh, and is like, hey, I got a favor to ask you. And Akane's like, 100-seat venue? No, <laughs> not that. Uh, and instead, he presents her with a flyer. He says, Master has given me my choice of an opening act. I'm choosing you. And importantly, not only is this very sweet, yeah. but the person who, the only person who can recommend Akane for advancement is going to be there. Yes. Taizen Arakawa. So it turns out the path that she took this whole time was leading her to this. Yeah. And we also find out uh, so many like little detail, like why this show was supposed to be so crazy. Cause you're having people from the two different factions of Rakugo competing on the mm -hmm. same show or working together on the same show. These are the two uh, people that Akane's father was friends with. So that's why he's going to be going to this show. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then she's there to almost kind of complete this like trifecta sort of thing. Uh, so it's it's a very interesting. It's I feel like maybe Asago uh, doesn't realize all of the context because if I was him, I'd be a little bit like, God feels like it's you're overshadowing. Yeah, God feels like you're overshadowing me a little bit here. Uh, but I mean, yeah, there's a lot of drama in all of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Asuka, I do really like that Asuka brings up, like, I've actually already talked about this with Karashi. He said, yeah, sure, why not? He's <laughs> 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 fine with it. Uh, but he thanks Akane because, hey, her, her big idea is what got them this far. Uh, and Akane, she's, like, obviously very touched by this. She's, like, covering herself with the flyer. And she's yeah. like, it's your big day, Ani-san. Are you sure about this? And ever since I... And then she's like, you know, it's not just that. Ever since I started working backstage, you've done so much for me. And she's thinking about how he went out of his way to, like, you know, look out for her, uh, apologize on her behalf, and help smooth things over when she got in trouble. And Asuka just goes, ah, shut up. I'm asking because I want you for it. Simple as that. Uh, and then he starts teasing her. You know, it's like, well, you, you, you're always so gung-ho about everything. What? You think you can't hack it, huh? And that pops the Kane back up. And she's like, Nah, it's your big day, and I'm gonna help make it a show to remember. Oh, that's so sweet. I I like this chapter. I mean, it's ultimately a very sweet chapter with like some cool little surprises for stuff going on. Uh, but I also liked it because like we finally get to see Asago do Rakugo, and like this is a <laughs> character who's felt like he's been significant for a while 
but like we've never really at least i don't recall like have really focused on him very much as an actual performer and like the whole premise of this arc is like it's his debut event like mm-hmm. you know there's all this lore of the world that's kind of overshadowing but it's nice to actually see him in this chapter and what he's about and what he chooses like to kind of do and i was like oh like i like this guy more as a character i want his debut to go well now yeah uh, there is going to be a lot going on, of course, because there is this weird reunion going on uh, on top of Asagao's debut. And yeah, Akane is going to potentially get the chance to hopefully make a good impression on the only person who can recommend her for advancement for and, years. And perform live in front of her father. In front of her father. So, oh man, uh, we're closing in on chapter 100, uh, by the way. So it feels like that might coincide there nicely yeah of course nick it is time to wrap up weekly manga recap by talking about another series that crossed 100 chapters or should i say a thousand and one hundred and one this is uh one piece chapter 1101 tubani we get a cool cover uh color page where we see vegapunk and all of his different uh satellites it's very nice i get to see my boy pythagoras again (laughs) It looks like a Power Rangers pose. Yeah. <laughs> very fun. Very colorful in a nice way, too. Um, I I liked Lilith's costume before. That That is a color scheme, though. I don't know if the uh, pastel pink bodysuit with the uh, bright purple jacket. You know what? Actually, the more I like the look at it, the more I like it. So actually, you know what? It's perfect. Um, the jacket's fine. I don't like that she's got nami's hair color because (laughs) nick why would you have challenges recognizing the two of them next to each other no she wears a jacket it's fine yeah (laughs) she has pants that's the way you identify this character from any other woman in uh uh the series i was saying that and i was like oh not all of them and then i looked over and i was like york also doesn't wear pants (laughs) so um nick we're still in the flashback uh, we are three years now from the, uh, mm-hmm. per current time of One Piece. We're about one year removed from the start of One Piece, and we are in the Goa Kingdom, as we, we kind of, uh, guessed last week. Uh, we see Luffy practicing his gum gum axe technique as Kuma watches, and we see, like, sort of a little miniature flashback of Kuma and Dragon, where Kuma's asking, is like, hey, you know, you seem really familiar with this particular location, and I couldn't help but notice you like travel to a little village on the edge of the country and watch a particular person. And Dragon just says, keep going if you want to see me get killed. And Kuma's like, wait, what do you mean? And he's like, children are a vulnerability for any parent. And Kuma's like, oh, I didn't see it. Forget I said anything, basically. And uh, hey, Nick, we get a little bit, a little nugget uh of dragon lore which uh you know he, we always joke like he's the bad dad but in his own way he's trying to look out for luffy it looks like yeah so i mean it's nice to know that he did at least keep tabs on uh-huh. luffy uh and he does sum up pretty nicely like why in his head he was like i have to do this i can't be around him like, and i mean i won't be able to do this yeah it's like, yeah we we have the proof that like it can be used against you with kuma that like he yeah. did anything for his daughter and they turned him into a weapon and then enslaved him so 
Uh, there's a little bit there. Uh, back into the flashback, Luffy is like bragging. He's like, oh, this was a really cool attack. I'm going to use it once I get crewmates. And then there'll be times where they get beat up or captured. And when that happens, I'm going to I'm going to give it everything. I'm going to use a gum gum axe and take them out. Uh, but he starts to like realize someone's there. He looks Kuma pops away before he can see him. Luffy's like, that's weird. I felt something that was like strong. I bet there's like a big <laughs> boss animal in this forest. I'm going to go beat it up before boss I leave. Animal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, we, we cut over and we see Kuma is kind of doing the work that like government asked him, but he doesn't do it in the way that they want him to. They're like, hey, pirates attacked a merchant ship. Go sink that ship at once. And instead, he stops to help out the merchants and make sure they get somewhere safe. Then when he gets to the pirates, he doesn't sink their ship. He's like, give back everything you stole. And they're like, okay, cool. If you're not going to kill us, then yeah, well, absolutely. You're too much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and while that's happening, he's writing a little letter to Bonnie. Just like, yeah, this world is so beautiful. More than any picture books. I wish I could take you with me. And then we cut it over to the Cerber King, uh, Sorbet Kingdom. And she's like, is it here yet? Is it here yet? Is the letter here? And she's looking hmm. through the little mail. This is horrible heartbreaking she's looking through a little mailbox she has her little stool and she's reaching in and they're like oh he's probably just really busy you know and it takes some time for the mail to get here and she's like but daddy said he'd write me a lot of letters and like okay yeah but it, it takes a long time for letters to come they'll get here eventually you know don't worry about it and we see the the mail uh, the news coup show up and it drops some stuff drops some mail and Alpha's outside, and she's like, ah, a newspaper and a letter. And then suddenly there's something inside the mailbox, just a paper. And, you know, Bonnie frowns and goes like, Mwah. and we look over uh, outside as Alpha is looking at a letter. And she's like, how many letters is this? It's like 10 this month. There must have been dozens. Well, what a sap. And she rips up the letter into a big, ma- uh, a big garbage pail that we can already see is pretty full of like ripped up letters at this point she needs to die quinn she needs <laughs> yes. to, this woman needs to die this was <laughs> and, and, and like to be clear this isn't even a part of the deal kuma made it wasn't like there was a no, no. contact deal she just is a bad person basically um so uh we see then that uh, Bonnie is like, oh, let's fight. I want to, I'm on a rough house. And she, she's gotten big. She's gotten like burly, yeah. which is an interesting thing as we'll, we'll close in later. Uh, but that's when alpha comes in and, and Bonnie really quickly shifts back into a regular form. Like, oh, I, for a moment, I thought she looked like a giantess. And you know, she's the alpha's giving Bonnie her medicine and Gyogyo and Connie talk real quick. And he's like, Hey, uh, why is it bad? If alpha uh, finds out about Bonnie's powers and he's like, uh, Connie's like, well, let's just be safe. Let's keep something in our back pocket, basically, just in case. Cut over to the lab uh, in uh, Egghead Island. It's not officially called that yet, but it's going to be. And everyone's like, oh, wow, Dr. Vegapunk, you're so amazing. He's like, yes, after this, I think I will use the island clouds and build more of it there. And truth is, half of what you'll see here is actually a hologram. And I had planned this for, for Punk Hazard as well. Uh, and Stussy is there. She's talking to Vegapunk. Uh, and he has 
advanced to his apple hat now. He's 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 he, uh, expelled the giant head basically. And Sussy asks like, "Oh, so are you really going to lose your free will, Kuma, at this point?" Uh, and she just posits a question. She's like, "Oh, I wonder what's worse Goes off." Me. Yeah, yeah. She's like, "I wonder what's worse off: a clone with our own free will or a real human with none?" And Vegapunk's like, "No, you are a real person. Like, don't don't speak of yourself that way." Basically, yeah. Um, but Kuma does ask, like, "What does it mean to lose my free will?" And it's just like, "You won't have any handicaps. Whatever the government tells you to do, you will do. Even if it's like killing a kid, you, like you will follow their orders to a T." Basically, and I'm going to do everything in my power to give you as much. Uh, resistance to that as possible until the very end and you have about another year left of that and that's when he notices that kuma's writing another letter and kuma's like yeah i'm gonna keep sending them for as long as i can i love my daughter and i have another year to write out an entire life's worth of emotion <laughs> <laughs> it's so painful uh stussy is like oh that's so sweet um we see Kumo's like, oh, Bonnie's going to be nine soon. I bet she's going to be so big. Uh, he's sending this letter and he's like, I don't know when this is going to reach you, but happy ninth birthday, Bonnie. Uh, and we cut over and it's Bonnie's ninth birthday back in the Sorbet Kingdom. Everyone's celebrating. She gets a giant pizza from Queen Connie, which is nice. She loves her big pizzas, as we do. But everyone parties. They go to bed, and then little Bonnie gets on her little footstool, and she reaches into the mailbox, and she's like, there are still no letters. Don't you know I'm nine now, Daddy? No! This, this is so fucking painful. <laughs> Don't you know I'm nine now, Daddy? Come on. Uh, she starts crying because she's like, you said you're going to write me letters. We see again that the letter Kuma was writing is another one just ripped up and tossed into the, the pin that is getting more and more full of letters. There's a brief little bit where they explain that Kuma has been saving revolutionaries when he can, but he leaves without saying anything. It's like Kuma doesn't want any of us to go after him. And Dragon's like, I don't know what's going on, but he must have his reasons, something he can't tell us. Cut back. Sorbet Kingdom. Bonnie's like, I'm all better. See? All the little the little stones. Everything's gone now. I'm all cured. I want to go outside. And Alpha's like, no, you can't. We're under instructions to take care of you until your 10th birthday. She's like, bullshit you are. Vegapunk says I'd be cured at this point. It's been a year so I can go outside now. She's like, nope, you still can't. And Connie at this point has learned that like Alpha is part of a government program that she's like, okay, someone in town let this slip, that your disease is already cured. So I don't know what they've got going on. And it doesn't make sense that Kuma wouldn't have sent you a letter. So I've already basically instructed my men to go take you out to sea, and you're going to go find your father. Yeah! So, very, very sweet. Connie, fucking the MVP here. I won't give him my MVP, unfortunately, but uh, the real MVP in this moment. Uh, they, we just get a little scene of Connie walking out of the building. She's smiling. She's, you know, I'm about to go to the palace. And Alpha's like, okay, have a good one, Queen Connie. And we know that it's 
it's Bonnie using her 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 age powers to make her look like uh, Connie, and she's so excited. She's like, "I'm outside. I can see the sky. I can see the sun." People inside of the church are looking on from the outside, and they're like, "This is a miracle. There's a God. She can actually go outside. It's so beautiful." She runs towards the ship with the crewmates we know. The ship looks like a giant slice of pizza, which is just so cool. Uh, and I freaking love the, just that little image of her. She's dragging her suitcase behind her and tiny little bodies running for the ship, waving to them. Oh, yeah, it's so cute. Uh, Alpha goes inside, sees Queen Connie inside. And she's like, it's wait, me, Bonnie. Yeah. What? <laughs> she's like, no, you aren't. <laughs> uh, the ship set sail at this point. They're going to go out to the shore, but Alpha is running after the ship. And she's like, you know what? I tried to be nice, but if you did anything, like try to escape, I get to use non-lethal force on you. So I'm going to solve this my way. <coughs> and she starts using the six powers to like moonwalk or skywalk over. I forgot the exact term, uh, but she's coming over and she's going to like beat them up. And that's when Bonnie remembers what her dad had always told her. She asked, like, hey, what does Nico look like? And he was like, well, no one knows. But it's said that his body had properties like rubber and he fought however he fancied. And Bonnie activates a new ability, a distorted future, a Nico-like future where her arm grows huge like a giant and she punches Alpha out of the sky. And we end the chapter with some narration saying the escape of Bonnie the hostage was relayed to the government at once. And eventually the fishing boat in search of her father transformed into a pirate crew in the new world, much like Luffy's. Oh, it's so, it's so satisfying she gets to go out and find her father again. It's also, this is like a crazy ability for her fruit to have that like yeah. it can, you know, create timelines of other versions of herself. Um, I love Bonnie and Kuma so much that when she first started, like when she was like big and everything like that, I was like, oh, it's because she's tapping into her buccaneer blood like Kuma has. And then I was like, oh, that's right. She's not Kuma's biological kid, so she wouldn't have that. But for me... There was no doubt for that moment. I was like, yeah, of course she would, because she's his kid. Uh, I really, this is a very heart-string-pulling uh, chapter. The lo- the letters are so brutal. Uh, Oda's really, really good at, at telling these stories. I think we might have, like, maybe one more flashback chapter left in this. Um, but, yeah, it's it's really good. People are saying that maybe she's used distorted future before. Uh, totally possible. I don't remember every technique she's ever done. Um, but really, really cool stuff. Uh, yeah, I I think this is a great origin story for Bonnie, uh, top to bottom. Um, obviously, this is primarily Kuma's story uh, because a lot of it is from his perspective. It's about his struggle with giving up everything to try and protect her. Uh, but it was, God, in all of the sadness that we've seen unfold over the last couple of months, it was very, very nice to see something happy happen for Bonnie yeah. and getting her to see her like, and this is how her pirate journey begins. It's like, hell yeah, go get him, Bonnie. Yeah, this is. I know your journey doesn't technically go well for a lot of it, but <laughs> yeah, I know. Go that, get him, Bonnie. I know that eventually uh, your crew's going to get attacked and uh, Blackbeard will try to uh, make you his woman and stuff like that, but 
before this, it's very cool, and you do get to see your memories. The 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 happy thing is knowing that because she saw Kuma's memories, she knows that he always was sending her letters, and yeah. it probably gets to a little bit of the contents of it, which is nice. Um, really cool though, and super satisfying to see her punch Alpha. That was like, oh yeah, primo stuff. If you want to make someone, if you want to make people hate a character in a single chapter, <laughs> here you go. <laughs> yeah, good stuff on on that. Uh, all right, let's wrap this up, Nick. Yeah, favorite chapter and MVP for this week, Quinn. Uh, yeah, this was a good week of chapters, like especially in recapping it. I'm like, probably like six or seven series, I think, compete. But when I think of the chapter I enjoyed the most, I think I'm gonna go with uh, My Hero Academia. I really, really enjoyed Bakugo just beating the shit out of all for one just hitting him with explosions over and over again and just telling him to shut the fuck uh, fuck up it's very satisfying it's like watching a face wrestler you like beat up that heel you cannot fucking stand it keeps winning matches and when it happens you're like yes finally finally fuck you triple h uh yeah I've got to agree with you. There were a lot of good chapters this week. Uh, Blue Box was was nice, as it typically is. Cypher Academy, we had, obviously, a lot of fun with it. Green, green, greens. Nice to see it continuing to, to grow. Akane Banashi, very sweet. One Piece, very, very good. It gave the... Give me what I want, and this was what I want. Bakugo blowing <laughs> all for one up. Give me over what I want. Over and over Kaboom. Give me what I want. Kaboom. Boom. Uh, I cannot in good conscience not give it to my hero academia. It was like, finally, yes. <laughs> this is the way it had to go down. Yeah. Uh, my MVP is going to be Bonnie. I think she came off so cool. I was so emotionally invested in her throughout this chapter. Uh, in like my list of like favorite supernovas, she was like mid tier or something like that. She shot straight up to the top. I think she's absolutely one of the like coolest supernovas now. I love her backstory. Every bit of her is like cool now. Like I super invested in this character. It's very emotional. Great stuff from Bonnie. Yeah, um, I'm going to agree with you again. Um, it, which I think we don't typically agree on both counts very often. Uh, but yeah, I gotta go with that. Um, yeah. there were again a lot of good choices for for standing moments for characters. We had fun talking about like what Oga did, uh, Bakugo <laughs> uh, himself, uh, and uh, also uh, just you know it was a nice standout moment for Asagao in, the, yeah. in this week as well. But if a moment that is as small as just Bonnie running towards the ship can get me that excited then yeah you i you get that emotional like uh spectrum that emotional spectrum of her on her birthday reaching in the mailbox being like why didn't you write me a letter daddy to her getting to run towards this ship her first time seeing the sun in years at this point mm-hmm. and she's so excited because she she's gonna get to see her dad she's gonna go on an adventure to see him it's it, it's beautiful it's art i don't know what to tell you yeah so uh, our, our heathen audience didn't agree though spy family one chapter of the week and bakugo one character of the week you're all bastards i just want you to know you're all making bonnie sad 
<laughs> just so long as everyone makes sure to vote for Wizard and Witch worst couple of the year. Okay. <laughs> That's going to do it, everyone. Thank you all for joining us for Weekly Manga Recap. We will have more next time. Uh, but uh, if you can't hold on until then, there's more Weekly Manga Recap that you can listen to. We've got every episode over on weeklymangarecap.podbean.com, on youtube.com slash weeklymangarecap if you like the video version. Also, you can check it out on your favorite podcasty type sites like uh, iTunes, and Spotify, and all that stuff. It'll be The audio version will be available on. Uh, you can also join the WMR Discord server, which will be linked wherever this is posted. Uh, if you go on there, you can not only have a good time hanging out with our wonderful community, but you can also find the Google Doc maintained by Ninja X3i, which keeps track of all sorts of statistics. Uh, you can ask questions for future uh, uh, for us to answer on a future episode. You can make recommendations for a manga series you'd like to hear us talk about. Uh, and you can also just vote for, and say like what you liked about uh, any given week or even for an entire year of manga. You can talk about some of your favorite moments on there as well. There's a big thing that we do at the end of each year coming up yeah. that you can add your uh, thoughts on. We'd also like to thank Milo Jack Stillitz and Wednesday Dow Cheddar. They created the opening sequence that plays the beginning of the video version of the show over on YouTube. And uh, some occasional YouTube thumbnails are made for us by Steve Mann, whose artwork you can check out all across the internet, wherever booby ladies can be drawn. Uh, yes. Uh, all right. I think that's it. We've done everything. Uh, now it's time for us to go. Uh, I'm going to go lay in my little matchbox with a little uh, blanket on top of it. Uh, I shrink down when a podcast ends, Dick. I actually uh, get down to like about that big. Uh, and then I sleep in a matchbox, and I have a, uh, what would to you would just be like a regular cube of cheese, but I grab uh, giant chunks of it the size of my head and shout out, I'm a cartoon mouse, is what I'm trying to say. Do you also ride around on a toy motorcycle? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, I, actually, I, I'm Stuart Little, actually, is what we're really getting at here. <laughs> <laughs> Two different ones, but okay. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Bye.